It's time for Inside the Gamecocks, the show with Phil Mullinax and J.C. Sherbert. So how many of you would say you speak English fairly well, but with some difficulty? Fat, drunk, and stupid is no way to go through life, son. You play to win the game. Now, let's take it away, J.C. and Phil. It's Tuesday, August 23rd. Welcome into Inside the Gamecocks, the show. I'm J.C. Sherbert. He is Phil Mullinax. Uh, jam-packed episode today. I uh, hope all of you are doing well. I uh, want to go ahead and throw out the poll question right now because we have a guest uh, right off the bat. Um, it's kind of a historical, one of those historical debates, Phil. Um, mm-hmm. Since 2000, uh, who is the most underrated quarterback that has played for the Gamecocks. And I have uh, three options, Savelle Newton, Jake Bentley, and Dylan Thompson, uh, but, and then other. <laughs> and, and there's been a lot of other uh, comments. Uh, so far, Dylan Thompson is uh, by far and away uh, taking the cake here. Yeah, interesting uh, but, three, though. Yeah, definitely a thought yeah. experiment. Yeah, uh, mm-hmm. and I went with Savelle, and I'll I'll talk about why. <laughs> I did um, you know here pretty soon. Um, and uh, the Nana Sports chat box. We want you guys to kind of chime in on that. Uh, if there's another one now, Phil Petty's been mentioned. Blake Mitchell's been mentioned. Uh, some people just said Connor Shaw. You know, mm-hmm. uh, if you think about uh, the national end of things, but. Uh, you know, we'll see kind of uh, how all that goes with um, the uh, poll question of today. Uh, also going to have the iHealth Consulting mailbag later. Going to get in the Nana Sports chat, chat box later. Uh, going to ask, uh, going to interact with you guys a little bit there. Got Trey Biddy from hogsports.com, Phil. Uh, and he's in early today, correct? Um, yep, yep, should be. He should be joining us here right at the shortly. Top of this hour. Yep, shortly. Yeah, yeah. Sure, mm-hmm. shortly. Yeah. And so he's going to talk a little Razorbacks. Uh, I'll tell you this about Trey. Uh, there's a lot of folks that cover Arkansas. Uh, there's no one better than Trey at doing it. And I've known Trey my entire career. Uh, I've had the, the privilege of, of hanging out with him sometimes at conventions and stuff. Uh, just a terrific guy. And really, uh, you know, am excited to hear from him from an insider out in Fayetteville. I think there's a lot of opinions about the hogs, you know, outside of Fayetteville, but to hear how, uh, what, what the idea is inside of Fayetteville. And I, I'm also going to ask him, uh, for those of you Gamecocks that are traveling out there for week two, uh, and the crowds are bigger, Phil, sometimes when, when the Gamecocks haven't been a pl- uh, to someplace in a while, like they hadn't been to Ole Miss in 10 years. They took a big crowd. I know a lot of folks uh, that are traveling out there. So I'm asking a little bit about what to do in Fayetteville because I've been there before, but that was in 09. I don't remember that long, you know, don't remember that far back. Uh, so uh, looking forward to chatting with him when he gets pulled up. Um, also, it's uh, Tuesday. So today, uh, for the whole season, we'll have the mental edge with Sawyer Nix. The mental edge. He'll talk about all things mental health related athletically. Uh, he'll answer your questions. I think there's a contest that will happen uh, during his segment over the course of the year. Uh, so we'll really look forward to that. And in hour number two, uh, at the bottom of the hour, hour to kind of wrap up the show, Keith Allset from Lot on the Gamecocks podcast will join us. You know, with Keith and with Chris Phillips and, you know, some of the guys from the Big Spur, we, we don't really have them locked in to a day yet. Uh, may do that, may not. Kind of my, my feeling was, let's let some guys rotate around so – you know, we, we don't just have the, like, oh, well, it's Thursday. That means this guy will be on. I'm um, going to have some uh, 
folks, later on in the week, we got David Cloninger lined up. Uh, he makes uh, his debut on our show. He was uh, on JB and Goldwater for a while from the Charleston Post Courier. Uh, know David pretty well. Uh, have a uh, you know, a lot of respect for him and his takes on take on the Gamecocks. He's been covering it forever. Uh, also, don't forget Friday, Meredith Taylor will be back in the house. Uh, we'll have Chris Phillips tomorrow. Chris Phillips and Jamie Bradford on Wednesday. So that's that's going to be high energy tomorrow. Oh yeah, well, with, <laughs> yeah tomorrow, with Chris yeah. in and then Jamie in. <laughs> I uh, can't wait for Wednesday. Obviously, Wednesdays are kind. Of, Wednesdays were always my favorite day, Phil, because I got to do JB and Goldwater when they were up. But uh, oh yeah, and I, yeah, I just yeah. ramble on and on and on. Um, in case you haven't noticed, my fiance has cut a video saying that uh, she's sleeping next to a human troll doll. Is the hair still here? And uh, but she says she's taking one for the team. You find that on her YouTube page, and uh, you know all that good stuff. So we have Trey yet or no? Not yet. Still, still waiting. Yep, Trey's yep. a busy man, you know, and, and, and I also say this about him. He works. There's a lot of hard workers in, in, in our business, but he works mm-hmm. exceptionally hard. He's covered everything, uh, all sports out at Arkansas. Uh, yeah. He does a really good job. Happy. We, 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 we were supposed to get him on. We tried to get him on last week. I uh, couldn't do it. So uh, <laughs> he's too busy, but he, he's a busy man. Um, all right. I'll, I'll dive into the Nana sports chat box a little bit here. And, uh, Smith says Josh Payne has Carolina going seven and five, but being a potential top 20 team, if that happens, I think seven and five or eight and four regular season is a good outlook. Lots of clusters on that schedule of winnable games. I'm not conceding any games. Um, I'm trying to be realistic about the season and temper my expectations, but I mean, how to say this? It kind of, if it's seven and five, it kind of depends on how it evolves. You know, who's hurt? Uh, how, how do they lose a game if they lose it? Uh, that type of thing. Um, you know, I I think there's a lot of folks out there that are like, uh, you know, I guess just thinking that, hey, they got some new players. That'll get them to seven and five. I don't know, man. <laughs> Maybe I have more faith in, in some of these players that uh, – you know, I don't know. So anyway, um, I, and I'm fine with that. Look, if everybody's happy with seven and five and eight and four, that's fine. I, I mean, I, I'm not saying I'll be unhappy. It just largely depends on, you know, how you feel about the season when it's complete. And, you know, yeah. you've got uh, 11 days till kickoff and, and, and we'll see kind of what happens. I, I, I think that let's just say, I think they could do a little bit better than that. Yeah, yeah. I think, uh, you know, a lot of people are coming into the season with a healthy dose of prove it. Well, and, and you know, it's the type of offseason to feel where everybody kind of has their little favorites. Yeah, right. Um, mm-hmm. You know, like like there's really a lot. All right. So there's there's Alabama uh, and then that's that's it. OK, mm-hmm. I'm just going to I'm going to say it. Everybody's clumping Georgia in there, but that's under the assumption Georgia's just going to keep right on rolling. And maybe they will. Maybe they will. Right. Yeah. You know, I, I think in 2017, a lot of people didn't know that Clemson would keep on rolling and they did. Uh, even mm-hmm. with Kelly Bryant at quarterback now, you know, they're in a different league. Uh, you know, that's just assuming that the, the Georgia keeps right on rolling. And, you know, and obviously I'd pick Georgia to win the East. Do I think that – would, would, do I think they're third in the country? No. not. Yeah, I mean, I don't know who is. I don't know who is. But, I mean, will they finish there? I doubt it. Uh, so nobody wants to let go of that. Uh, apparently everybody thinks A&M is just going to – 
you know, because they signed this ungodly recruiting class that a bunch of true freshmen are, are ready to go take on the SEC, you know, so there, there's a goal, God forbid, you can't have Carolina beat A&M this year, you know, and then you have Arkansas and Kentucky and Tennessee uh, and Florida in various capacities to where, oh, oh yeah, yeah, they, they, oh, they, they, yeah, well, the way South Carolina can beat them because they're all everybody's favorite. And then you have the people that South Carolina sort of their favorite, right? Uh, in kind of the uh, the off season, so you know maybe maybe those people think the game cast will do a little better. I just think there's a lot of conceding right now. Um, and if I look at matchups, uh, and I look at players returning and potential and all that, I don't I don't know why the Gamecocks, you know, can't maybe do a little better. That's just me. I'm not gonna sit there and uh, you know sound like a homer or anything. I, I need to really see the team play. Yeah, uh, before I can make uh, any kind of grand statements. But um, <laughs> I just, uh, you know, l- looking around the league, it's just one of those years where you just really don't know. Right. No, yeah, a lot of question marks across the board, especially yeah. in the East. Yeah, in the East. So Clint says, happy Tuesday, guys, 11 days until kickoff. Craig says, can't wait, Clint. How are you, my dude? Uh, Rodney, good morning. Let's go, baby. Uh Garnet Rooster says, any week zero games you're looking forward to? I'm I'm going to watch Vandy Hawaii. I'm going to try to catch some of Charlotte and Florida Atlantic just because the Gamecocks are playing them. Yeah, that Northwestern Nebraska game in Dublin is more interesting than maybe people think just because, all right, so number one for Gamecock fans, Ryan Holinsky starting for Northwestern, I think, unless there's other news out there. Correct me if I'm wrong. Last I heard he was starting. Um, if you're Nebraska and you lose that game, Oh, yeah, right. Yeah. Scott Frost. It's going to get – hey, here we go, Phil. It's going to get frosty. Yeah, it's that's get a little frosty. Be Scott's theme with that button, that hot seat. Yeah. Oh, man. Because <laughs> you, you, you're going to have – Nebraska has probably the best fans in college football. Um, Beautiful stadium, too. Flew over it, seen it in Lincoln. It's, it's awesome, yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. and, and, and those poor people, their administration <laughs> drug them out of the Big 12 – to the Big Ten where they don't fit, uh, you know, and, and it's like they're not used to that. You know, they're having to recruit Ohio, and they've plummeted, uh, you know, for, from, you know, one of the best programs in the country to like, oh, well, they're in the Big Ten West. <laughs> oh, and I have, uh, a, uh, I have an update from Trey. He is uh, going to join us at noon. Noon? He said he, yep, he said he needed an hour, so we'll, we'll see okay. him a little We're going to see him at noon. That's okay. We can push mm-hmm. Trey. Uh, to noon, no problem. We'll just kind of flip the thing here, but uh, still looking forward to talking to him. Oh, yeah. uh, Clint says, thanks for the magnet stickers and koozie, JC and Phil. Clint won the Nana Sports chat line trivia, uh, and so he got his. I'm glad to see you got it. Mm-hmm. Um, all right, so Craig makes a good point. He agrees with me about Savelle Newton. And the reason I picked Savelle over Jake and Dylan, Phil Petty and Blake Mitchell and all those guys, Savelle didn't – I mean, he, he saved the 2006 season, basically. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, and in 05, uh, he made a lot of great plays. In 04, he made a lot of great plays. And they moved him all over the place. You know, he never really got, could get traction at one spot. But the guy the guy played all over and, and impacted the team. Uh, you know, probably in 06 made more of a difference. You know, I mean, that team was probably going nowhere. Right. And Savelle right. comes in. Uh, you know, was it? Did they run Steve Spurrier's offense like he wanted? No. Uh, But Savelle kept Carolina in the hunt. 
won some games, ran the ball through it. Uh, you know, Spurrier was a stroke of genius putting him in. Uh, and, and I just don't think a lot of people appreciate how good Savelle Newton was. You know, mm-hmm. I, I think, you know, Jake Bentley played during sort of a controversial time where, you know, people were unhappy with the head coach and unhappy with the offensive coordinators and unhappy with the losses. And, you know, and then, and then Jake wasn't always consistent, but was he underrated in the grand scheme of things? You know, in my opinion, probably, you know, you'll look back on it. I mean, cause I, I think the Jake Bentley haters are ridiculous, yeah, but I don't understand that about, you Jake, know, you know, <laughs> Dylan Thompson, who, you know, didn't really look all that good in 2012 comes off the bench, beats Clemson, comes off the bench again and throws a touchdown to beat Michigan in the bowl. And then by the time he's a senior sets the single season uh, passing yardage record on a team that had a terrible defense, you know, I, I could make a, I could make a case for Dylan there, but uh, you know, I don't know. I, I, I went with Savelle maybe because Savelle helped in other ways. Um, and I, I think there's always going to be, a solid appreciation for Dylan Thompson uh, because he went up there and beat Clemson that time and he beat Michigan. Uh, and then he had the big year under Spurrier, uh, even though it was seven and six, it was still kind of during the glory era. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I don't think there's enough appreciation for Savelle. Um, and yeah, there's other, Perry Orth could be one of those guys. Perry actually was a pretty good quarterback that uh, he just supported cast wasn't there. And he lost a lot of close games as a starter. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so anyway, uh, that's that Clint comes in, says, I agree. So that was one of the most talented players ever to play at USC. Um, Chase says, how do you find Nana's chat box? You're in Nana's chat you're, box. You're Chase. in it. Yeah. You're yeah. in it, man. Welcome to Nana's chat box. I don't it know. It just looks like it. a box from our perspective. That's why we call uh, it a box. I yeah. don't know what that's supposed <laughs> to mean. So, uh, Rodney says, JC, my opinion on this season, beat Kentucky, Missouri, Florida, and win the state championship. That would inquire beating what, South Carolina State? I guess and Clemson. You know? <laughs> hey, look, they do that. They beat Kentucky, Missouri, Florida, and Clemson. You have to consider that a really good year, I would think. Yeah. I, really, I really would think that. That Clemson game – it's going to be tough, but yeah, we'll it's, uh, you know, it's uh, it's obviously a very important one. Uh, Garnet Rooster says if Dylan Thompson's team had a defense, that team makes a run for the East. I'll tell you this, Garnet Rooster, they win the East because yeah. the three game, I say, lost three games. They're up twenty to seven fourth quarter against Missouri and lose twenty one twenty. They're up 38-24 fourth quarter at Kentucky. Those 45-38. They're up 42-28 with four. Like what was it? Four minutes to go against Tennessee. That's the game Spurrier just wouldn't even take any questions because he was just yeah. freaked out about it and lost 45-42 in overtime. Carolina wins those three games. They're in Atlanta. Now, do they get pummeled by Alabama that year? Most likely. Yeah. But they're still in Atlanta. I mean, you know, that's uh that was the shame of that year. Is that, mm. you know, goodness gracious. Uh, Craig says, I was hoping Joyner could be Savelle 2.0 when he arrived. Well, if you just kind of look at the bowl game, he's done some, some he, he has, he, he did have a Savelle moment where he kind of yeah. stepped in and helped him win a game. Uh, Thompson was rated a two star and an 80 by the composite. He accomplished so much in a small amount of time. He got my vote. Uh, Xavier says, This is the chat box. Uh, it's nice to see someone recognize that Dakari Joyner as a quarterback could have had potential. Yeah, 
our boy mm-hmm. that uh, yeah. when, <laughs> yesterday he had a big long. I'm not going to read his manifesto uh, uh-huh. on the YouTube page that he put because he he, said he cussed and stuff. I'm like, man, settle down, dude. I, I mean, yeah. and and but I'll say this, and this is the final word on this. I'm not going to talk about this anymore. Uh, because I, I, I'll say this, there's not a football coach alive, right, that considers a play here and a play there as a wildcat quarterback as playing quarterback. And, and this guy's big deal was, whoever takes the snap, oh, really? Was Darren McFadden a quarterback when he played in the wildcat? Uh, what about Mark Ingram? Did anybody see the 2009 Alabama-Carolina game when Mark Ingram got in the wildcat and rushed for 246 yards against Gamecocks and they won the game, hard fall game, but they won the game. Anybody who here thinks Mark Ingram's a quarterback? Who here says Nick, who here believes Nick Saban had had and said, All right, Ingram, you are in the uh you're in the quarterback meeting room this week. No, nobody. Come on, it's different. They're two different things, okay? Yeah, well, whoever, yeah, whoever yeah. takes the snap. No, it's not whoever takes the snap. Is the that holder did, yeah. is the holder of the quarterback? Is technically he's taking the snap. <laughs> How about the punter? Is Kai Kroger a quarterback? I know it's just on. with that just, dissertation. You just you know I, 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 it I, and, I wrote it. And, 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 and as I've said, I don't I don't know that I'm completely right that DeCarry and Joyner could be a good quarterback uh, at this level. Uh, I don't know. That's my opinion. Is it, you know if they worked with him and you know he could be like a a guy like Blake Sims at Bama, <laughs> you know that that had one had a good year or. Or, or somebody, you know, there, there's guys like that. They're in their fifth year. They got Dylan Thompson was one. You know, he showed signs earlier. But, you know, hey, his senior year, he was the guy. Uh, could I see something like that happening? Yeah. I mean, I, I think at this point it's going to be hard to beat out Luke Doty with how much he's progressed. But I could have seen something like that happening. Um, I don't know that I'm right about it. But I do know this. It's fundamentally unfair and, and quite frankly, you know, shows a lack of intelligence. Uh, to sit there and judge him as a quarterback based on a handful of snaps uh, in a in a wildcat role, okay? Because any coach worth his salt that knows football is going to tell you those are two different things, right? Because, yeah. again, Mark Ingram would have been – all right, are we supposed to judge him as a quarterback because of what he did against Carolina? No, the wildcat's his own thing, right? Um, and, and so I rest my case with that. You know, I, I don't mind debating uh, if he's good or not, but uh, when you sit there and come at me with, no, 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 and you don't have your facts right uh, or, or your, your opinion is so out in left field that you're, you know, believing that everybody that takes a snap is a quarterback, which, you know, like I said, holders, punters. We, we're going, you know, Kai Kroger threw a touchdown last year. Is he a quarterback, Phil? Yeah, that's right. Well, so, we will confer upon him an honorary degree of semantics. Yeah, yeah. So that's fine. <laughs> but I'm done with that debate. You can write a manifesto on the YouTube page all you want. Uh, and all that good stuff. Chris says, J.C. Benmore is currently on the Big Spur answering questions about Georgia State. He made some accusations about shame in regards to Jordan Strong. Do you believe what Shane did is wrong? I do not. I know there were some hard feelings on the part of Georgia State. Um, I, as far as how he ended up at South Carolina, you know, I, I, to my knowledge, I mean, if there were tampering, they'd have probably turned Carolina in, and Carolina would have gotten in trouble. <laughs> I mean, that's the bottom line. 
Now, you can get frustrated uh, as a coach, I believe, that, uh, you know, when you lose players out of the portal, it's a frustrating time for all coaches, you know, in terms of the portal. So I totally understand that. And I totally understand, you know, that uh, Georgia State fans and, and Ben are probably, you know, heck, Jordan Strong was a walk-on receiver for them and developed there, right? You know, and then he goes someplace else. That's going to happen to some group of five schools, unfortunately, and some FCS schools, unfortunately. That's just uh, – it's not as bad as it is in, like, basketball. But uh, I understand the frustration there, but I believe that, that Beamer and his – I have no knowledge of Beamer and his staff, who, by the way, had just gotten there, right? Yeah. I have no knowledge that they did anything wrong. Uh, Clint says Frost will be fired on the tarmac in Dublin. He'll be out there, out there on the uh, the, the tarmac in Dublin, eating taters, eating <laughs> cabbage. Give me some taters and cabbage and a, and, a, and a Guinness. Oh, I'm being fired. Oh Lord, Scott Frost. So some leprechaun will come down. Scott Frost, your days are over. Your, your days are over. The Cornhuskers have left you here in Ireland. Here, I have a shamrock. Listen to you too. <laughs> Uh, Brad says Trey who just joined Trey Biddy from uh, Hog Sports going to join us top of next hour. Mm-hmm. Uh, Brad says reading the Ben Moore stuff on Beamer and Elliot now interesting stuff. Hope JC and Phil touch on it. Yeah, I don't, I don't know, man. I would hope. I mean, I, I don't know. Last time we talked to Ben here, his cell phone was fading in and out, and he's in a parking garage. So it's like it was like the teacher from Charlie Brown. So maybe he did talk about it, and we just didn't hear it, Phil. Yeah, and hopefully we'll have him on next week too. Yeah, we'll him. have him on next Explain week. Uh, and look, guys, Ben's part of our network. I'm not gonna, mm-hmm. I, I'm not gonna blast him for what he's hearing on that side. Uh, also, I happen to like Sean Elliott quite a bit, so I'm not gonna blast them and all that. But I'll tell you, there's nothing on South Carolina's end that was uh, against the rules. Uh, and I'll say this: is it? You know, does it kind of? I mean, does it kind of sting? Yeah, I mean, but but Georgia State is not unique in dealing with this issue. I mean, the NCAA decided there's going to be a transfer portal, and everybody was going to get to go anywhere they wanted to and not have to sit. So blame them, blame them, shoot, blame them. Yeah, not our fault. That's right. Uh, Clint says Tennessee, Kentucky, and Missouri were all games Carolina should have won that season. Yeah, Clint. And honestly, Auburn too. Gamecocks lit Auburn up, uh, but just could just had no chance to stop them that game. Uh, so you get two stops in that one, maybe you're ten and two. Franklin says I voted for Savelle. I kind of thought it he was the most underappreciated. I think Thompson gets the right amount of appreciation. Savelle was a great athlete and could play anywhere. Clint says, yep, there's a difference in being a quarterback and taking snaps from the quarterback position. Absolutely. Don't That's you think? The argument. Yeah. The the whole thing, you know, I mean, was Jose, so, so Juju McDowell uh, took a snap. Uh, should we judge him as a quarterback? How about Omega Blake? He <laughs> took a snap from center in the bowl game, which was a disastrous play. But, uh, should we maybe maybe just put uh, – can we judge Omega, Omega Blake's – all right, here we go. Here we go. Hot take, hot take of the century. <laughs> Omega Blake is not an SEC quarterback. <laughs> he's he's the worst quarterback in Carolina history. 
Uh, Brad says Ben claims there was tampering and they did report to the NCAA. South Carolina would have gotten in trouble for that, folks. Uh, so, you know, whatever. Look, uh, and, and I'm sorry that he's on the message board right now. I got to do this. I can't go deal with him. Um, <laughs> maybe I'll text Whittle. Uh, <laughs> but, I mean, I, I no, I'm, I'm telling you right now, you know, the, nothing on South Carolina's end was wrong. And I don't want to get into this, man. Uh, it's just like I know there was some butt hurt. And I, I agree with the butt hurt. It sucks to lose players. I, I I have no problem with Sean Elliott being a little upset about it, right? Okay, I, I there's no problem with that. That's coaching, man. And I'm not I'm not gonna sit here and take shots at Sean Elliott. Forget it. Uh, and I'm not because I don't think he did anything wrong either. But you know, I, I th- there was no tampering, right? Tampering would have been me meant Jordan Strong wouldn't have played last year. Tampering would have meant Carolina would have gotten in serious trouble. Because that's about the only thing you can police. So if there was proof of tampering, yeah, bet your ass, NCA would have come in. Yeah, probably right? postseason ban. You know, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. And, and Austin, I agree, it's a bad idea to throw that around. Franklin says, 2014 Auburn game was one of the best Spurrier called. Probably his last good game he called, in my opinion. <laughs> Unfortunately, couldn't stop them. Uh, Clint says, speaking of Omega Blake, I haven't heard much from him in camp so far. Don't think you're going to. Uh, right now, I think he's a year away, a couple years away at best. Um, but hey, you never know. Uh, so that's the Nana's Porch chat box right now. We're coming up against the mental edge, uh, right? With Sawyer, yes, sir. Yep. Um, and he'll be up here in about four minutes. Um, you know, lots of stuff on Twitter too in reaction to the poll question from today. Uh, the black wolf, I, I, you know, I had to correct him. He said, no love for Anthony. Right. I was like, I, and I was like, ah, oh, since 2000, but that's okay. Uh, Anthony Wright was underrated. Uh, and Phil Petty probably could have been, see, I always thought Phil Petty got, um, I don't know. I always thought Phil Petty got a, a lot of love, you know, oh, yeah. that kind of thing. Um, our boy, Brad Crawford chimes in on Twitter, right? Uh, by the way, I, 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 I downloaded JB's clip that talked about Stoops being 4-23 against Florida, Georgia, and Tennessee. Uh, and some Kentucky fan goes, tries to explain, I, I'll get to this later in the show, that, uh, oh, he explained that he wasn't talking about Shane. He was talking about himself when he was a, a young coach. And, yeah, he backtracked that big time. Oh, yes, sure. Yes. Sure he was, dude. Come yeah. here, man. Um, but uh, Brad, Brad coming in strong with the Kentucky is four and 23. <laughs> My man, that's right. Uh, we got to get Brad back on next week, Phil, to, to give mm-hmm. his picks for the week and all that. Yeah. And, and the beard is strong, the beard is strong right now with yes, him, very much. Um, okay, so that was a good opening. Mm-hmm. Time for the mental edge, and Brad chimes in. No worries, JC. It just seems like a poor professionalism for an insider on a sister site to come over to TBS and throw around accusations and whatnot. Thanks for what you guys do. I agree with you. I mean, I, I agree with you. I just can't do anything about it now. Just like like a, a friend of mine posted something on the board the other night. It was late. I was out, uh, you know, with my fiance. And, and you know, I, I, I'll, if I have to get on the board, I will. But, you know, I guess somebody's post got deleted and it was just like, 
I don't know anything about it. I'll follow up tomorrow. I don't know anything about it. I'll follow up tomorrow. I'm sorry. I don't know anything about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so sometimes I just can't do anything about it. And it, if you hear me, be if you hear me, uh, hear me being frustrated about it, it's not that I'm frustrated with the requests. It's that, that you know, that message board, <laughs> I've had it for like, you know, 15 years now. And so I'm kind of, it's kind of like a child. I kind of like got to, you know, nurture it and you know, <laughs> make sure it's okay. And I feel a little helpless when I can't get to it. So mm-hmm. that, if I sound frustrated about not being able to get to it, it's because I can't. Uh, and that's why it's nothing that you guys are saying, but uh, I appreciate all the feedback there, but I, I'm, I'll say this to, to put a bow on this thing before it, it gets larger. Cause as far as I'm concerned, it's not going to get larger. Uh, I don't blame Georgia state for being upset. Uh, losing a talented player like that, that they worked hard and developed. Uh, but South Carolina didn't do anything wrong. And had South Carolina done something wrong, they would have gotten in trouble. You know, there's no bias, you know, there's no bias uh, towards South Carolina. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, they, not, not at the NCAA. They're, they're, they're not certain schools, you know. They, they love, The NCAA would love to pop South Carolina because they're mad at, uh, you know, Alabama or somebody, right? <laughs> Uh, that's just how it is. So, anyway, uh, we got to get to the mental edge with Sawyer. Uh, Nana's Porch chatters, chat boxers. Uh, get your questions ready for Sawyer, right, Phil? As yep, easy. yep. Throw them on in there, and we're going to pick one of them, and I believe we're going to give away some yep. uh, some swag. Yeah, so if you, if you have uh, the best question for Sawyer, you get a Carolina Rise hat. <gasps> More prizes. Yeah. More prizes. By the way, Austin uh, mailed off your barbecue sauce and magnet yesterday. So congrats for winning yesterday. So we got another prize to give away today, Phil. That's awesome. Yes, sir. All right. Sawyer Knicks with the mental edge up next here on Inside the Gamecocks, the show. Just as your State Farm agent combines good neighbor service with surprisingly great rates, you can combine your home, auto, life, or small business insurance with Tony Pope's State Farm Insurance today. And guess what you'll get? That's right, even more good neighbor service with surprisingly great rates. In fact, Tony Pope's State Farm is your go-to agent anywhere in South Carolina, North Carolina, or Georgia for the service you deserve at the price you want. So try combining your home, life, auto, and or small business insurance today. Tony Pope State Farm has been in business for more than 30 years and can handle anything you need in the tri-state area. Once again, Tony Pope State Farm will help you mix and match perfectly. Call 843-851-2222 or visit TonyPope.com today. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. If you're a listener, you know I feel strongly that if you're in the upstate and are in need of real estate services, Cindy Searfoss is your go-to person. Searfoss of Caldwell Banker Kane uh, can help you with any of your realty needs right there in the upstate of South Carolina, Greenville, Spartanburg, Anderson, Oconee, uh, Pickens, wherever you are. Cindy can help you with that. She's married to a die-hard Gamecock fan, has been in the upstate for more than 35 years. Right there in my hometown of Spartanburg, Daniel Morgan Avenue. Contact Cindy, 864-414-5271 or email ccearfoss, C-S-E-A-R-F-O-S-S at cbcane.com, C-B-C-A-I-N-E. That's Cindy Searfoss, a proud sponsor of the Inside the Gamecocks podcast. Check her out. We've already gotten several emails from listeners 
that are very impressed with her professionalism and her ability to help you with your real estate needs. 864-414-5271, Sydney Searfoss of Caldwell Banker Kane. If you're looking to sell or buy multifamily property right here in South Carolina, the Burgesson team of Remax at the Lake can help you get to closing fast and easy. Adam and Derek Burgesson both are very proud Gamecocks and are more than happy to assist you with any of your commercial real estate needs all across the state. You can email Adam at aburgesson at remax.net. That's A-B-E-R-G-E-S-O-N at remax.net to get your next deal underway. The Burgesson team, proud sponsors of Inside the Gamecocks. Family vacations, a new car, a new boat, all cost money, but you don't necessarily have to make more to afford any of that if you can save cash that's flying out the window now. iHelp Consulting can help you finally get the kids to Disney World, upgrade the minivan, or drop that new boat in the water next summer. Let Daniel and iHelp Consulting consult with you. No fees, just savings. You pay them a percentage of those savings. Save on essential services, credit card fees, you name it. Let them find it. These folks are incredible. iHelpConsulting.com. How can I help you? Attention golfers of all ages and skill sets. Former Gamecock golfer Meredith Taylor will be a full-time golf instructor in the Midlands of South Carolina very, very soon. You want to take advantage of this opportunity. If you're like me and you got to get a whole lot better at golf, or even if you're looking to refine your swing, Meredith is the person you need to go to. She's competing in her final USGA Mid-Amateur Tournament this summer before going full-time into teaching and coaching individuals. If you're in South Carolina, Meredith will be conducting in-person golf lessons at the Country Club of Lexington. Half hour, hour, on course. She'll play 9 or 18 with you. If you're out of state, though, this is really exciting. She'll be conducting virtual lessons. You can send in your swing for her expert analysis. Also, in November, she'll launch an online course with video instruction for all ages and skill levels. Meredith has 20-plus years of knowledge, former SEC golfer, all of that. So contact her on Twitter, at Taylor at M-E-R-T-A-Y-L-O-R, or go to McKellarEnterprises.org. McKellar is spelled M-C-K-E-L-L-A-R, Enterprises.org. Her email is on the website, so you can connect with her for any other questions. Go get your golf game in order. Take advantage of Meredith Taylor and her services. Yep, time to get back to the show. Shoot. All right, my man. Welcome back to Inside the Game Guys' show. JC Sherbert, Phil Molinax. Oh. It's time for our weekly segment, The Mental Edge with Sawyer Nix. Uh, Sawyer Boy. came on uh, last, uh, last week and uh, had a great segment. And we, we feel like this is an important topic. And so we uh, we decided to just kind of make it a weekly weekly deal here. Uh, so, Sawyer, here we go. Uh, one next week will be in game week, game prep, game mode. Yep. Yes, kind of some dress rehearsal type stuff this week with uh, Beamer's weekly press conference, which is later today, and then Carolina calls later this week with Todd. I think Todd's doing it. Oh, <laughs> I got to get ready to hear that again too. It warms my heart. Um, so it's kind of a dress rehearsal week, but. Uh, Oh, you know, this time of the year in camp, too, as a football player, I've talked to a lot of players, and the, these are the dog days in college. You know, yes. in the pros, by the time you get here, you're ready for the regular season to start. Uh, but you got a lot of second and third teamers playing in the exhibition games and, you know, things of that nature. 
Uh, and so there's still kind of like, quote unquote, something to do, places to go, teams to play, that kind of thing. College, it's just like, because eh, you're done scrimmaging for the most part. Uh, game plan starting to get put in, uh, but it does kind of drag. So talk a little bit about the mental approach needed for an athlete to kind of kind of make it through these days to make sure you you sort of peak when uh, the it kicks off for real a week from Saturday. Yeah, absolutely. I was kind of thinking about from a, not only a fan standpoint, but I'll, I'll speak for both and I'll kind of speak more specifically on athletes. But for, for both, I was thinking about uh, when we go to a buffet, which they're kind of Quincy's is no longer a whole lot. Ryan's has gone by the wayside. You still got the gold straw. And that sucks. Yeah. yeah. I, I, I want for the record, the fact that Quincy's and Ryan's are gone sucks. Not just because of the buffet, but the sirloin tinsel mushroom gravy uh, or the hamburger steak that you get you ordered from the counter. That was off the chain, too. And those steak fries. All right. So, anyway, I, I, okay, I'll let you continue. Sorry. No, that's fine. But I mean, I remember as, you know, as a kid, that was the greatest thing. You know, all you can eat, tons of dessert, you know, great. But then at the end, you're miserable, right? So, I, I think about that. We get excited for the season. We're like, oh, we're, we're, we're ready. The players are ready. They've been working out, doing mat drills, spring drills, training. Finally, team organized sports. We're, we're playing. We're blocking. We're tackling. We're hitting for fans. All right, what what did the offensive coordinator say about practice today? Who, who's balling out in practice today? Who's, and But then it goes on. So just like a buffet that starts out pretty good at the end, it's like, um, hit the wall, right? <laughs> so exactly. They've hit the wall. Fans, we've hit the wall. Okay, we're – tired of these daily practice reports that don't have a whole lot of extra content stuff we haven't heard before it's the same stuff nobody's majorly injured some bumps and bruises and you know they're running around real good you know okay we're really really chomping the bit to get there but absolutely from the athlete perspective they're they're the same way so how they handle this well one you know classes of starting so part of it is what are they looking forward to it's just a change in their focus for goal so their focus becomes all right not only do i have to muddle through this last week of, of practice but there's a shift in focus all right now i got class oh my gosh now i got study oh now there's some girls on campus you know or whatever there's extra things going on so how do they reestablish their schedule their routine and so part of it is, what is my routine? They have a daily routine. Uh, whatever they do, class, socially, studying. So part of it is they're establishing a new routine and trying to develop new habits, a new foundation. And I think that's important. Part of it is taking care of their bodies. You know, certainly uh, Atkins uh, said that that's a big component. You know, don't let those nagging things, oh, I'm just a little sore, right? Take care of those things. So for the athletes, that's really important for them to take care of those nagging things that don't impact them. Part of it's accepting their role. So they're, am I a leader? Am I first string? Am I scout team? Am I on the third, you know, third string? So part of it's learning their role, accepting that. And then also figuring out, all right, what do I need to do to continue growing into that and then transitioning into game prep? I suspect Sunday is usually when they'll probably start. Usually kind of start Sunday, Monday, I guess, um, for game prep for the week. So that will be a new focus. So it really is this week 
I think it's just changing the focus. And I think it's, you can't say, oh, I got to get through this. It's what do I have to do today? What is my focus for today? Just this moment. And I think that's a way to make it more manageable, to make it easier for them. And also keeping up with what's the goal. The goal is to put myself in a position to be successful. And as long as they keep the, the focus on that main goal, then they can make smaller transitions, chomp easier pieces and just focus on, hey, what do I have to do today rather than looking at the whole week? Because it is overwhelming and it is too much if you look at a whole week. So, yeah, I uh, I totally understand that. And I, um, I, yeah, a week seems like a long time. But as we know, Phil and I know from doing the show, heck, man, Phil, this episode 13, right? <laughs> 14. <laughs> It's just it's yeah. flown by, man, and and once you and I guarantee you, once you get in football season, I said it last year. Yep. Uh, it seems like forever for the opener to get there. The next thing you know, it's November. Uh, yep. you just sitting there going, "Where? Where did the time go? Where did the time go?" <laughs> but um, yeah, so so I, I, I totally uh, agree with you there. Um, those of you on the Nana Sports chat box, please. Send your questions in for Sawyer. He's going to pick the best one and give away a hat, a Carolina Rise hat today. Uh, and, well, and also, I'd like uh, folks on the I Help Consulting mailbag shoot in a message there or oh. message via Twitter, you know, either at Sawyer Nix, my name. Um, you can do that and tag inside the Gamecocks, the show. Yeah. Um, tag mm-hmm. that and shoot me a question there, and I'll that will be also – because uh, I'm oh, a little fire biased, game. I, I can't uh, I can't usually see the show live, so I'm a Spotify is kind of my my version yeah, that I usually listen to later on, or either the next morning working out. So I, I want to be open to all all questions. So. Absolutely, and, and again, the email address is inside the game at gmail.com for the IAB Consulting mailbag, or tweet to at the Big Spur Pod uh, to get your questions in for Sawyer Nixon. If he picks your question, you get a hat. How about that? And and it's a good it's a good hat. Carolina Rise hat. So you help Carolina Rise and get a hat. So that's awesome. Just by uh, sending in a outstanding question here. It's the Mental Edge with Sawyer next. We're gonna have him on every Tuesday. Um, okay, so you mentioned this was a good point about taking care of your body, um, and. A lot of times coaches will say there's a difference between being hurt and being injured, being sore and having a medical condition that keeps right. you from playing. Uh, and a lot of times that goes into mental toughness, you know. And some guys I think are, lack of a better term, too mentally tough and they actually do end up hurting themselves. Yeah. Uh, it's about being dumb. But, um, you know, how? Uh, so, so Nick Saban talks a lot about this and, and he he's really into the psychological part of it about, have being mentally tough, powering through, and the difference between being injured and being hurt. Can you speak to that? And, and you know, maybe some tips, uh, even for those of us that, that don't play, that you know, maybe we don't feel like getting out of bed, or maybe we did stumb our toe or something, or yeah, uh, we got to power through it in everyday life, right? So, for the athletes, I would say for them, they need to treat everything as if it is, if it is nagging, go, you know, get treatment, ice hot tub, cold tub, communicate with the staff. And then they'll say, oh, yeah, it sounds fine. And then you can go on your way. But you, it, it's better to do that rather than hold back 
and I'm, I gotta be tough. I'm not going to let anybody know. And then, well, why didn't you tell us, you know, now you've cost us whatever. So certainly be on the forefront of, of that. I think proactive being proactive, I guess, maybe the, the key word there and communicating about that. And then once you have that information, you know, then it's, then it's information's power, right? So last week, um, I guess two Fridays ago, how many days it's been, part of me being proactive before I went to school to meet the teacher day was take a COVID test because I wasn't feeling well. So I could have said, ah, I don't feel great, but I feel good enough to go. And so uh, being proactive, I was like, well, let me just make sure uh, in the realm of possibility and sure enough, positive and there we go. So I think being proactive um, and taking care of those things. And then once you have that, again, knowledge is power. And then you know, okay, now I can really focus on, on mental toughness. And that's a topic I'm going to kind of dive in a little deeper um, in a future episode. Maybe an application for us I was thinking about is what's our foundation? You know, what is our foundation for functioning every day as a parent, spouse, coworker, uh, boss, salesperson, whatever we're, we're in in daily life is thinking about our foundation. And I talk to clients a lot about that. And I kind of break it down in four areas. So physically, mentally, emotionally, socially, and spiritually. So physically for us, you know, being active, uh, you know, taking steps, not being on the couch all the time. Part of that is having a balanced diet and appetite. So you probably remember, I don't know, it's been a couple of years ago, Snickers had a great commercial and one particular football one had Betty White and people changed, right? And the Snickers guy comes on, you're not you when you're hungry, you know, have a Snickers, right? So there's truth. People are hangry, you know, um, we need to eat, but we don't need to eat a bunch of sludge because that can make us um, slow and not focus. So appetite is important. Having a balanced diet is important. Getting sleep. Uh, don't even want to go into the statistics that say how bad uh adults do as far as sleeping but we can't function uh if we're not getting enough sleep uh, we can't handle a problem at work we can't handle some idiot that cuts us off um in the road you know if we're already a deficiency there's so many things that are outside of our control that go throughout our day problems we experience um, challenges but one of the things is how can we take care of things that we know? So, so physically is one of those things. The other thing is, you know, get a checkup. You know, it's always good. We need to get checkups to make sure our health is good as possible. So that's kind of the physical cornerstone or, or table leg. The next one would be socially. So spend time with family and friends. For most people, that's pretty easy. I'm an introvert. It takes a little more effort for me to go out and do stuff because I'd rather, hey, let me just get a couple of minutes of peace and quiet where nobody's bothering me or bugging me and I don't have a five-month-old crying and all those things. So sometimes it's it's a challenge, you know, for me to get that um, extra social interaction. But we're created to interact with others and be social and sometimes it's dealing with family and, and others. So sometimes when people are not doing well, they kind of internalize and shut down. So that's not, not helpful. Other thing, mental, emotional, that's another cornerstone or, or table leg. Take breaks, do hobbies, 
certainly JC and I, we need to get on the golf course. Um, <laughs> that's something I haven't done in a while, and I need to get back out there. Um, I, th- I think our hobby, certainly Gamecocks, that's a hobby. But engage in some of those things to break up our day, to have something to look forward to um, so that we can enjoy life. We only have so many days on earth, and who knows when it's going to be our last day. So we need to need to do that. Enjoy life. Take breaks. Take a breath. I think that was um, my wife's takeaway from last week was, all right, what, what was kind of your takeaway? It was, well, I need to take a deep breath and step back for a minute and then kind of, you know, refocus. And I was like, great. You know, that's good. So who knows um, whose takeaway, who, who had a good takeaway from last week. So, again, this week, hopefully, think about the foundation. So physically, mentally, emotionally socially and the last one is spiritually so some people are like well faith i'm not a person of faith well that's okay i'll kind of cover that so for me uh being a christian is important it kind of creates the drive in me to help others um kind of gives the lens through which i view life and so i i through that i meditate read scripture engage in practices now you can be atheist or agnostic or a-religious and do some of those same things you can meditate so meditation is great and i may jump into that at some point in the future but also serving so serving is a way that that could be falling under that spiritual realm that's not necessarily religious so when we help others we're giving of ourselves that's a great experience that's something that we are doing that can bring about change we also recognize that and we feel good when we do those things so again, just overview, but of all the things we do in life, there's a lot we can't control and we have to react to that. But part of the things that we can do is focus on that foundation for ourselves and our functioning. And again, just kind of covering those big cornerstones and the changes need to be reasonable. If somebody's like, yeah, man, I haven't been working out. Don't go every day to the gym for the next month, right? That's, that's not what we're saying. You know, if you need to change your diet, I'm not going all plant-based, vegan, organic. That's not me. It ain't happening. I like chocolate. I like barbecue. So, but I need to make reasonable changes. I'll need to be eating bags of chips every day and extra snacks here and extra snacks there. Um, and so these things are little, right? They're like, oh, they're just little, but they really are the foundation for our functioning. And just like the athletes, they have to have their foundation going into this week, kind of circling back, getting into this week to get through it's reestablishing. All right, what is my foundation? What is my focus? What do I need to do? Oh, yeah. Yeah. And so you're about, you know, since we're talking about players, uh, you know, the difference between just being a little hurt or actually getting a full out injury. And then something I was thinking about this weekend was, is there a, a different path you take mentally to get back on track? If say you have a non-contact injury versus something, uh, you know, that actually happens in game that maybe wasn't your fault or was completely incidental. Right. So when you say non-contact injury, give me a Okay, so, uh, you know, you're, say, a, a, a running back is, you know, running through the open field, makes a cut to, you know, miss a tackle and blows gotcha. an ACL. Yeah. Gotcha, gotcha. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yes. Well, I think they're all similar, whether they're contact or non-contact, how, how the athletes respond to injury um, is, is pretty similar. How it happens is, is has little consequence. I think it's the fact that the injury is there. Again, whether it's nagging or whether it's significant, it all takes a process and takes steps to get back. 
Uh, I mentioned that last week, you know, for uh, Lloyd, you know, it, it didn't happen overnight and it, it takes time and it takes mental reps. It takes confidence. It takes self-talk and it takes being able to do it, actually show it and do it. And then it's like, oh, okay, I, I am back. And sometimes athletes, they kind of surprise themselves like, oh, okay, now I can really go. <laughs> Talk about Sawyer Dix. The mental edge. He'll be here every Tuesday talking about the mental health aspect of football, athletics, life, uh, you name it. Uh, I think, uh, Phil, I think it's time to, to to pick the question here, right? Yeah, yeah. We've got some in the Nana Sports chat box here. Let's see. One of them. Uh, oh, Big Slam of Jamma came back and kind of built on what I was uh kind of getting at there is you know, curious about the mental aspect of injury recovery aside from the physical rehab how do players rebuild their confidence to not hold back out of fear of re-aggravating yeah it is very challenging so part of it is building again for them building a foundation part of it self-talk okay the doctors have cleared me the trainers have cleared me i physically rehabbed this so part of it starts with just running in air you know so it, we'll just use running back. It's having a ball, running without pads, doing some of those things. Now it's throwing pads on, running through a hole without getting tackled. And then it's, you know, it's just a build up. It doesn't go from I'm in the training room, the doctor says I'm great, to all of a sudden I'm running through holes on game day. It's certainly a build up. And I think that's really what takes uh, place. It takes physical build up. But also alongside, it's the mental buildup. Part of it's they have to see themselves doing that. They have to believe in themselves. So having the self-talk to do that. Hmm. And we have lots of uh, thoughts pop through our head. I kind of compare negative thoughts to a bad song stuck in our head. If you've ever been either around kids or been in the grocery store, it's like, oh, that song's so annoying. Um <laughs> That's kind of like mental thoughts, you know, when bad, when bad thoughts get stuck in our head, it, it's, it's like a bad song that's cycling through our head. Well, how do you get rid of the bad song? Well, you got to kind of focus on something else or else the bad song is going to keep cycling through and cycling through and it's going to stay there. So part of it is you have to kind of refocus and refocus and refocus and retell yourself, Hey, I'm ready. I'm good. And there are, the chances that you could re-injure so i think part of it is accepting that part of it is accepting it doesn't matter if i re-injure it i'm going full tilt today i'm doing my best today and whatever happens happens same thing for us you know we go out the door each day ready to tackle the world you know we don't go to work well what what if i get fired today what if what if something we you know i'm not sure a whole lot of us go to work that way uh, it's, it would not be a good way to live um, so I think for athletes, it's how do you kind of build that confidence and build that foundation and refocus and refocus and have that self-talk and have that imagery that you see yourself doing that, that you see yourself having success. And it doesn't take a huge one. It's a little bit by a little bit. Again, you have a little success at practice. Hey, I ran through the tackles, even though nobody tackled me, felt great. And then you have a little more confidence. All right. Next time I know we're having a scrimmage, I'm getting tackled. That's fine because I did great last time. I'm ready this time. Sawyer next with the mental edge. Uh, so I guess Big Slam of Jamma won the hat this week. And if you guys have another question for Sawyer, uh, I think we weren't 
quick enough on the uh, the the in uh, I help consulting mailbag uh, functions of it. But if you send that in, I help consulting mailbag inside the game at gmail.com or tweet uh, to us. Also tweet to Sawyer and tag him at it at Sawyer next. Please follow him on Twitter. Um, we'll be sure to consider those next week uh, for uh, the segment as we get into game week. Sawyer, uh, as always, very riveting stuff, very interesting stuff, and certainly um, appreciate you and, and all you do. And uh, Phil and I are enlightened by it. I know uh, everybody that listens is too. And uh, next week, game week. So yes, yes, I have a kind of thing about my prediction. I think uh, I have a prediction flowing around in my head, and I'll kind of give you my prediction as well and then talk about you know what what does that look like going into game week for the athletes and what are their tasks that they're they're facing and how do they adjust guiding through the sluggish buffet days will be over and they will be there so um <laughs> for that so yeah. i'd like uh folks to you know follow me on twitter but also tell your friends uh i talked to several people in the past week um they're like oh i i didn't know that there was a show or you know, get more listeners. There should be more listeners. So tell your friends, tell your neighbors. They may yeah. know that they probably don't. Uh, certainly, JC and Phil are worth the listen. Uh, <laughs> aside from me, my my one little segment, uh, I listen to the show uh, every day. Again, not live, but I listen to every segment. So tell everyone, let's see if we can get more followers. Uh, that way, have some more chances at winning things, learn some more things, and certainly contribute make this a great show that it is. Uh, thank you, Sawyer. We appreciate it. And certainly, yeah. Uh, tell your friends. We we uh, enjoy it when people spread the word about the show. Sawyer Nix, the mental edge here on Inside the Game Packs, the show. We'll talk to you next week, bud. Thanks. See you next week. Thanks so much. Thank you. Uh, mm-hmm. We'll be here every week. So, Big Slamma Jamma, you win a Carolina Rise hat. So uh, send Phil uh, your or your mailing address. Yeah, uh, email it to uh, inside the gamecocks at gmail.com and we will get that here, out. Just tell us and I'll get it out to you. If I if you get it to me here soon, probably put it in today's mail batch with the mm-hmm. uh, rest of the Carolina rest stuff I have to send out. But uh, all you guys that had questions uh, on the chat box for Sawyer that we didn't get to, we got to figure out a way to do this, Phil. Maybe it's like the Maybe we we'll hold I, some of those I'd like, over. I'd like to answer all of them. I don't know if we can hold on. send them to uh, just copy and paste it, send it to inside the game guys at gmail.com, and I'll have them answer them next week. So, oh, yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. uh, that's good. Uh, all right, Trey Biddy coming up top of the hour, Keith Allsup bottom of the hour as inside the game guys the show rolls on. More of your chats, more of your emails and tweets. Uh, we'll get to it soon. Uh, And we'll be back after these messages. If you're a listener, you know I feel strongly that if you're in the upstate and are in need of real estate services, Cindy Searfoss is your go-to person. Searfoss of Caldwell Banker Kane uh, can help you with any of your realty needs right there in the upstate of South Carolina, Greenville, Spartanburg, Anderson, Oconee, uh, Pickens, wherever you are. Cindy can help you with that. She's married to a die. Our Gamecock fan has been in the upstate for more than 35 years. 
right there in my hometown of Spartanburg, Daniel Morgan Avenue. Contact Cindy, 864-414-5271, or email ccerfoss, C-S-E-A-R-F-O-S-S, at cbcane.com, C-B-C-A-I-N-E. That's Cindy Searfoss, a proud sponsor of the Inside the Gamecocks podcast. Check her out. We've already gotten several emails from listeners uh, that are very impressed with her professionalism and her ability to help you with your real estate needs. 864-414-5271, Cindy Searfoss of Caldwell Banker Kane. If you're looking to sell or buy multifamily property right here in South Carolina, the Burgesson team of Remax at the Lake can help you get to closing fast and easy. Adam and Derek Burgesson both are very proud Gamecocks and are more than happy to assist you with any of your commercial real estate needs all across the state. You can email Adam at aburgesson at remax.net. That's A-B-E-R-G-E-S-O-N at remax.net to get your next deal underway. The Burgesson team, proud sponsors of Inside the Gamecocks. Hey, man, are you sick and tired of your business computer guy? Yes, he takes forever to call me back and doesn't always respond to the requests. Yeah, same here. I'm paying him good money. I constantly have issues, and I'm worried he's not backing up my network and securing it properly. Oh, I feel that, man. My head hurts, but I have a good lead on a good idea. I'm calling your boy Matthew Odom today from Heritage Digital. Heritage Digital is an IT firm that specializes in making sure your IT network runs like a dream. If you have one or 500 employees, it doesn't matter. They do it all for one monthly fee and have clients from South Carolina all the way to California. Yeah, I heard that monthly fee's low, too, so I don't know why I didn't even think of that. Uh, Do you have 843-699? One zero zero one is Matt's contact number. Yeah, man, I sure do that. Or you can go to heritagedigital.com. Man, I hear they do a no cost assessment. Boy, this will help me. Yeah, I bet. <laughs> I'm getting on that and encouraging everyone else to do the same. Heritage Digital, 843-699-1001 or heritagedigital.com, a proud sponsor of Inside the Gamecocks, the show. Family vacations, a new car, a new boat, all cost money, but you don't necessarily have to make more to afford any of that if you can save cash that's flying out the window now. iHelp Consulting can help you finally get the kids to Disney World, upgrade the minivan, or drop that new boat in the water next summer. Let Daniel and iHelp Consulting consult with you. No fees, just savings. You pay them a percentage of those savings. Save on essential services, credit card fees, you name it. Let them find it. These folks are incredible. iHelpConsulting.com. How can I help you? Let's say you need catering. You need a food truck. You just need to get some delicious food to feed some people. Nana's Porch is the place for you. I've known Chris, the owner, for years now. Uh, They helped with the Big Spur Golf Tournament. Uh, catering it. It was delicious. I highly encourage you uh, to go visit nanasporch.com. That's nanasporch.com right now uh, to take a look at their services, their menu items, everything you may need for your event, the professionalism, the food, the taste. uh, It's unrivaled uh, in this space. 336-259-7550 is the phone number. Or again, Go to nanasports.com. Uh, we talk about them all the time. They uh, sponsor the chat line here on the podcast, but uh, wanted to tell you about it right here, straight from JC. Tell them JC sent you, uh, and please support this Gamecock-owned and operated business. Also a proud sponsor of Inside the Gamecocks, the show. This is JC's fiance Nat. Life is all about making sacrifices. I now sleep next to the human troll doll. 
I'm taking one for the team. Go Gamecocks. Now back to JC and Phil. Welcome back inside the Gamecocks of the show. Uh, I want to welcome in uh, off the Meredith Taylor guest line. By the way, hour number one, sponsored by Cindy Sear Falls Realtor. Hour number two, sponsored by the Burgesson team at Remax at the Lake. We appreciate their sponsorships. My man, Trey Biddy uh, from Hog Sports. Trey, it's really good to see you, man. Uh, he's, uh, we talked in uh, with the commercials about Nana's porch being unrivaled. Trey's unrivaled when it comes to raising <laughs> athletics out there. Um, just, just get right to it, man. Lots of, uh, lots of excitement uh, that you hear externally about this Razorback football season. Uh, it's kind of been building the last two years under Sam Pittman. Just, just kind of talk about the uh, ascension of the program and, uh, you know, what the expectation is around Fayetteville and around Arkansas. Uh, you know, South Carolina's far away uh, from mm-hmm. out there, so we don't maybe don't hear as much about what's going on out there in the state. Uh, you know, w- what's kind of the feel? Yeah, it's not too long ago we'd have talked all the time, wouldn't it? I mean, yeah, these two programs obviously started playing together in 1992 when both joined the SEC, and uh, they just changed that up. But uh, yeah. it's good to see South Carolina again in Fayetteville. Um, it's been a while, and uh, I think this is going to be an interesting matchup. Two programs that are, you know, trying to rebuild through, I guess, a culture change type of, of head coach, you know, a fit. And, you know, I'm not so sure that South Carolina didn't look a little bit at what Arkansas had done with Stan Pittman hire when they went after Shane Beamer. Um, and, you know, Arkansas in the same mold, maybe following some other coaches that kind of did the same thing. I've always said with Arkansas when Chad Morris was the head coach that the talent on the team was not a, a reflection of the record. You know, I think the buy-in wasn't there, the culture. Um, Chad Morse was just a terrible fit at Arkansas and and a really bad head coach, to be frank. I mean, we can talk about winning SEC games, right? That's hard to do, but there's no reason you should be getting stomped in your backyard against Western Kentucky or North Texas or losing to Colorado State or San Jose State. You know, some of these programs, it's just ridiculous. And so, yes, he had a rebuild on his hands, but not quite as big a rebuild, I think, as a lot of the people outside thought. Uh, so, you know, what Pittman did that I like was the first press conference, he came in and told the guys, Hey, you didn't choose me, not first press conference, first meeting with the team. You didn't choose me, but I chose you, you know, I don't want anybody to transfer, which was in stark contrast to what Chad Morris did, which I thought he lost the team the very first meeting he had with them. Um, so Pittman, you know, that first year breathed some life back in the program. They went on the road to Starkville, beat Mississippi state, beat Auburn, or excuse me, Lost to Auburn the, the following game on that. Uh, I don't know if you Gamecock fans are familiar with the uh, uh, the way that game ended. Uh, I saw it. Yeah, <laughs> not not a good. Yeah, I was yeah. I was pulling for the Hogs that whole year because they they played Georgia tough first half. Uh, you yeah. know, in twenty twenty and and all that good stuff. Yeah, there were three games that year that you know were decided by kicks at the end that Arkansas lost. They could have won six games that year. Had a chance to maybe win another one with a bowl game that got canceled. Uh, but the last year, I think, surprised a lot of people. I think a lot of people expected Arkansas to take a step up, get into that bowl eligibility range. But nine wins, I think, surprised a lot of people. And uh, a lot of that was K.J. Jefferson and uh, filling some holes in the transfer portal. I, you know, when I look at this team this year, and, and you guys may be looking at South Carolina, too. I don't know if practices are open there, if you guys have been able to watch any of them. Arkansas opens like 20 to 30 minutes of practice every day. It's a good-looking team. and But – where I pull back, 
so like I, I can kind of compare this Arkansas team to past Arkansas teams and the depth, man for man, all that stuff to me looks like the best team in a decade. It really does. But a lot of that is the transfer portal. And I wonder and if you guys, South Carolina, you know, mm-hmm. South Carolina brought in nine transfers. Are you guys looking at the team going, man, this team's deep. They filled a lot of holes. They there's not there's not, you know, a lot of question marks and stuff. And, you know, I look at Ole Miss. Ole Miss brought in 17 transfers. Six thirty nine percent of their roster is new. Yeah, which is yeah. astounding. But you know, seventeen transfers, an eighth of that a couple of years ago would have been a pretty hefty haul, you know, in the yeah. transfer portal. So I just wonder about other SEC teams. Is the ele- is every team just elevated because of the transfer portal? Uh, because looking at Arkansas compared to past Arkansas teams, I think they look great right now. So I'm just wondering if every, everybody else feels the same way. South Carolina has benefited by it, you know, uh, positions of need. It just seemed like, you know, the the holes that were on the roster last year, they patched those. Uh, and, and then the COVID year, too, where everybody got a red yeah. shirt. South Carolina's got a lot of really older players. I mean, their two starting linebackers could be like a combined 47 years old. You know, <laughs> I mean, this year, they're guys that are starting this year that were in Will Muschamp's first full recruiting class. So, That's uh, yeah, it, it's just crazy, crazy time we're living, living in. But uh, I've heard that about the Razorbacks coming up, reports coming out of Fayetteville, uh, just through other media that, that they look great. Um, KJ Jefferson, uh, our guy Michael Bratton from that SEC podcast said he's putting him on the Heisman watch list. I saw that. <laughs> Tell us about KJ and um, boy, strong year last year, but I heard he's gotten even better. I think he has. And uh, I think a big question for him was the receiving core, you know, not to get off track, but mm-hmm. losing Traylon Burke was a huge story of the offseason, uh, drafted number 16 overall to the Tennessee Titans. That's a big loss. But I think when you look at this team, man, two through 12 at wide receiver, it's a better, a much better group than what they had last year. And really, I feel like from the spring to now, everybody's kind of elevated their game. You know, they brought in Jaden Hazelwood, who was the former number four ranked player in the entire country coming out of high school. Warren Thompson was just outside the top 100 coming out of Florida State and transferred to Arkansas last year. He's made a lot of improvement. Uh, they've also got Keytron Jackson, who was their number one recruit in the class of 2021. And Matt Landers is a former Georgia player. You guys may be familiar with him, uh, who went to Toledo last year and caught like 20 passes in seven games for like 500 yards and seven touchdowns. Uh, he's been really impressive. The, th- the thing that we hear out of Georgia, though, is like, yeah, great practice player, but he wasn't really showing up in games. So uh, can he take the, you know, the driving range to the course, I guess, so to speak? Uh, this year, but he's been real. We knew he was big, but he's been really fast too. Uh, so KJ has some weapons. Plus, Trey Knox, who was a really big time recruit, who's a converted wide receiver to tight end, uh, was about 215 last year, all the way up to 245 now that he's Ooh. transitioned over there. Uh, he could be a, a guy that could help him a lot. And they've got some running backs, you know, Dominic Johnson, who I think is 1A, 1B with Rocket Sanders at running back. He's missed the last 29 practices going back to spring football and all of fall camp. Saw him for the first time yesterday in a green no-contact jersey. And I have to say, looked a lot better than I had anticipated him to look. Big back, 6'1", 247 pounds. Uh, that is a really tough tackle. Uh, so he's got a lot of pieces around him. Four starters return on the offensive line. Not just starters, but multi-year starters. Two of the guys are going into their third year. 
two of the other guys are going into their fourth year as starters. So he's got a lot of experience returning in front of him. And I really think he's taking his game up a notch. They, Arkansas didn't know what they had really in K.J. Jefferson last year. They knew he was mobile and could run, but I don't think anybody was predicting 664 rushing yards or whatever it was, leading the team in rushing. Um, and that's maybe an area where he can pull back a little bit instead of running over the safety to show him this is all day. Maybe he steps out of bounds, you know, this year because they're a little bit thin behind him at quarterback. Um, you know, Malik Hornsby has also worked some at wide receiver just to get his speed on the field. But I think to answer your question, where KJ has improved the most is, you know, going to his second, third reads, those types of things versus, you know, seeing Traylon Burks and just giving it, you know, lobbing it up to him, getting it to him. Uh, but maybe utilizing more of his receivers. Uh, and his overall leadership, I think, has, has improved. You know, he's always been a guy that, you know, people describe him as the funniest guy on the team. I always think that's a great characteristic to have in a quarterback versus like Robo QB. I, I never, I don't like quarterbacks that are just stoic and, you know, <laughs> you know what's coming out of their mouth before they say it. Uh, KJ's, uh, you know, he's, he's a character. And I think that's a positive thing to have in the locker room. But I would say that's probably the area that he's, maybe improve the most, just kind of taking the ownership of the team. Last year, I felt like maybe this was Grant Morgan's team, the the linebacker, the um, the six-year senior. Uh, this year, I think it's KJ's team. Talk about you. Uh, oh, oh, go ahead, Jason. Oh, sorry, sorry. Talk about Trey Betty, hogsports.com. Uh, I'll just mention this. You kind of answered our Malik Hornsby question. I'm watching the Outback Bowl last year, Trey. And I'm watching the Hogs go down. Yeah, I'm pulling for them, you know, because I got friends that are Arkansas fans, you know, yourself included. And it's been a rough few years in Fayetteville until Pittman yeah. got there. And I, I, you know, so I pull, you know, and, and I saw so Hornsby comes in the game. I think I think KJ got hurt or something. Yeah, he did. Hornsby comes in, goes around just left side, just kind of a quarterback keeper around the left side. Boy, he was gone. Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah. I, I've. I have seen very few quarterbacks just take off like that. So he he scares me. You know, he, he's one that like that. You scare, he, he, he should scare people. He's got uh, he's got Lamar Jackson speed. Yes. Uh, I don't. I would be surprised if there's a faster quarterback in the country than Malik Horns. But he didn't throw a pass in that game. JC. He just yeah. came in and you know secured the lead. Basically, just kept stayed off the field the rest of the game. Arkansas won twenty four ten. I think that he is a guy that's too fast to keep off the field. Now, we thought he was going to play a little bit more wide receiver coming out of the spring. And I mean, like, not – this wasn't a gimmick. Like, he was beating, you know, SEC defensive backs deep time and again. Like, they were all aware of where he was on the field. But with the emergence of so many wide receivers since the spring, I think they've kind of pulled back on that, let him continue to develop as a quarterback. I think he's developed a lot. Arm strength was never a problem with Malik. It was always just, you know, it's – it's a five-yard pass, and he throws it as hard as he can. You know, mm -hmm. just you know the touch, and just you know the awareness of, of throwing catchable balls on some of those things. So I think he's improved as a quarterback. We're going to still see him in packages. Uh, you know, sneaking him out on the field at wide receiver, jet sweeps, shifting him. You know, to quarterback from wide receiver, double passes, those kinds of things. I think we'll see. Now they haven't done any of that in front of us during the open viewing period. In fact, I haven't seen lineup at wide receiver at all. Uh, but we saw a little bit of that uh, in the spring. So they've got to get him on the field. He's just – he's one of the fastest players in the SEC and probably the fastest player on Arkansas's team. So they got to get that on the field. 
Yeah, definitely. The uh, you know coming in, we got a lot of hype coming out of Fayetteville, and you know, well deserved, I think. You know, from what we saw on the product uh, on the field last year. But where do you see uh, any concerns coming in, Trey? What what are we what are we a little worried about yeah. out there? <laughs> yeah, well, uh, you know, heading into camp, the wide receiver still a little bit of a question. Even though I felt like two through twelve, they were better than they were last year at that position. Uh, quarterback, you know, if something were to happen to to KJ, you know, Malik is. To me, Malik is a guy that you want to put in a game that's going to secure a lead. I don't know if you, you know, at this point, yeah. you feel comfortable with him coming in and, you know, taking over a lead. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, so that could be a question. Uh, defensive line, they've certainly added a lot of transfers uh, on defensive line. Losing Torian Carter and I think, the 12th practice of spring, you know, almost wrapping up spring. Or uh, I, I, I assume it's a, it's, a, it's a knee injury. They haven't said it's mm-hmm. What it was, but it's looking like October or November. So, I mean, do the math, it's probably an ACL. Um, but losing him on the inside, he was a, the top back up there at defensive tackle for a position group that's overall thin. Now, they did get Terry Hampton from Arkansas State, probably the strongest defensive player on the team. He's going to come in and, and help right away. Um, you know, the defense. So that's a, a big thing. So they brought in Terry Hampton. He's a transfer. The two backup defensive ends, Jordan Dominic came from Georgia Tech and Landon Jackson came from LSU. Jackson's 6'7", 275, good looking kid. Both those guys, all three of those guys are backups to provide a little bit of depth. But uh, I guess maybe the unknown with those guys is a little bit uh, of a concern. But like I said, I mean, with the transfer portal, I mean, we look at this team without the transfer portal and that's Warren Thompson, who came in two years ago. But Warren Thompson at wide receiver, Jaden Hazelwood at wide receiver, Matt Landers at wide receiver. What's the wide receiver group look like without those guys? Mm. You know, what's the defensive line look like without Jordan Dominic, Landon Jackson, Terry Hampton, you know, out of the transfer portal, all guys that are going to provide a lot of quality depth. Drew Sanders. Mm. Drew Sanders was the number 12 ranked player in the country, started at Alabama last year, got injured, lost his job. Uh, and then transferred to Arkansas, but he's going to start at linebacker for them. You know, Dwight McLaughlin out of LSU, who started six games for them at cornerback. Latavius Brini, who started 12 games for Georgia last year, won the national championship. I mean, what does Arkansas look like without those guys? To me, there's some holes, but due to the transfer portal, they knew what they needed to go out and address, and I think that they hit a home run in the transfer portal. I mean, it's a top-10 class. South Carolina, you guys probably saying the same thing about the South Carolina class, a top-10 transfer class. You know, so you're just able to fill a lot of holes these days. So uh, instead of saying, well, you know, if they can get some of these freshmen to come on at wide receiver or uh, maybe yeah. freshmen yeah. Climb and they didn't think they were going to have to use. Now it's, you know, I guess the unknown of the defensive line with some of the key transfers and the backup roles. That would probably be the biggest question. Am I wrong? Is uh, Landon Jackson, is he, he's a, is he an Arkansas kid or a Louisiana kid? Uh, he's got a. He is a Texas kid. He's Texas got a. Kid. He's got okay. a lot of ties to to uh, to Northwest Arkansas. In oh, fact, okay. he probably would have committed to Arkansas coming out of high school. Right. Uh, but the time he committed, Arkansas was back to back two wins. You know, yeah, so it scared him off a little bit. I got you. Yeah. Warren Thompson, of course, Gamecock fans know him. He committed mm-hmm. to FSU over South Carolina, and Arkansas beat uh, the Gamecocks and uh, on Rock Sanders on Rocket Sanders. I remember that. Yeah. Uh, Rocket Sanders, good-looking kid. He looks like a superhero. Out of Rockledge, Florida. Right, so there you go. There's why you recruit Florida. All right, Trey, uh, one more thing before we let you go. So, Carolina hadn't been out of Fayetteville since 2013. Mm -hmm. We'll talk about that game. Uh, You know, I found that when there's a big gap, they take a big road crowd. Ole Miss in 2018. Oh, yeah. 7,000 out there. So, there's lots of people heading to Fayetteville. Mm -hmm. Um. 
I've been there a couple of times. Hadn't been since '09. Went to Catfish Hole, liked it. Yeah. Uh, been to Little Rock since then, but not uh, Fayetteville. Uh, tell everybody what to do in Northwest Arkansas. Just to, is there anything that uh, you tell visiting fans when they come in? Because I get asked about that a ton. Yeah. And, uh, and if, that's one of the places you know I haven't been as often as maybe some other spots. Yeah, I mean it's a it's a different kind of barbecue over here. There's there's a Memphis style place called Sassy's. There's a uh, more Texas style place called Wright's. Both of those uh, places would be recommended. Um, you know probably Atlas for finer dining or Bordino's. Uh, Dixon Street is the street you want to go on if you want to check out the nightlife. Dixon Street will be uh, packed all the way leading up to that game, absolutely. Um, so that's that's the that's the strip that you – and there's plenty of stuff to find, <laughs> to find to do on Dixon Street. If you're looking for something a little more uh, culturally significant, uh, I would say Crystal Bridges Museum of uh, American uh, Art, um, which is um, basically funded by the Walton family. And um, – it's uh it's in Bentonville, uh, which is the home of Walmart. And that's an interesting thing about Northwest Arkansas. I think a lot of people don't realize like Walmart's the world's largest retailer no, located in Northwest Arkansas. And uh, Tyson Foods is the world's largest yeah. producer also located in Northwest Arkansas. So um, there's a lot of people coming in from all parts of the country due to those connections. You know, every Ooh. major business has offices nearby. So, you know, Fayetteville, Arkansas is uh, an eclectic place, and it's uh, it's a cool town. It's uh, it's annually rated one of the top five places to live in in the country on U.S. News and World Report. Um, so there's there's a lot of fun stuff to do here, and a lot of great food, and um, you know some culturally significant things too. Trey, that was awesome. Everybody's uh, everybody's fired up about that now because you you just helped a, a lot of people with their plans. They're, they're writing that down, checking it out. Uh, Trey, we we certainly appreciate you coming on with us, man, and. Uh, you know, good luck to you this season with your coverage and stuff. I've, you know, always thought it was great. And certainly um, this was a great segment today. I appreciate yeah. you taking the time. I think we're, I think we're going to talk again in a couple of weeks. Oh, yeah. I, think, yeah. I think we will. Uh, we'll yeah. uh, have to get past that Cincinnati game and that Georgia State game on our end. So uh, yeah. we'll, we'll talk to you very soon, Trey. All right. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Thanks buddy. Man, sometimes you have a guest and it's just – and I know I hyped it, right? Yeah. But it, it lived up to the hype, didn't it? Oh, yeah, yeah, for Dude, sure. Trey, Trey. Mm-hmm. Hey, Ken, uh, how about Trey's studio, too? I love the bricks I, in the back. I, I know. Them. I need a studio. Oh, I, I, need, I need lighting. Man, I want to go set up in the garage. Yeah, that, that's <laughs> crazy. That's crazy. Um, uh, and Lutz asked, did the Arkansas secondary run for the hills this season? Yeah, and Trey went through the guys mm-hmm. they have started. They got a player from Georgia, uh, Breeny. Is, is starting in their secondary, and they got to play from LSU that started six games. So, like you said, the transfer portal for Arkansas was – they were very good. They got some guys. They lost some guys uh, to the portal, uh, especially the Louisiana kids they'd recruited. Uh, mm-hmm. The LSU – I think LSU just hung out a shingle. Uh, of course, the Gamecocks lost a linebacker and said, anybody that's from Louisiana that's at another school, if you can play, come back. Yeah, come back. Yeah, that's right. Come back home. <laughs> the Fighting Tigers. Go Tigers. Go Oh, uh, Ron <laughs> Kelly, uh, this is Coach O, uh, go Tigers. Um, Christopher Hall, Christopher says, where can I buy a Carolina Rise hat? I need one. Ah. Um, go to carolinarisemembers.com, and uh, they're there on the website. Uh, if you don't want to do that, you can email me. Uh, inside the game packs at gmail.com and I'll send you the Venmo and you can Venmo, Venmo uh, Carolina Rise some money and I'll, I'll make sure it gets out to you. 
Uh, if you don't want to jump through the hoops on that, I'll be glad to sell you one. Uh, let them go for 30 bucks. So that's uh, that's the case. They're nice, though. They're embroidered and all that good stuff. Uh, Craig asks, uh, I hope, Craig, I hope Trey answered your questions about Hornsby. Charleston Fitness Equipment says, your fiance is beautiful. Thank you. Shout out to Nat, right? Yeah. Shout out to Nat. How about that? Uh, Clint says, I like Trey very positive without being a total homer. Yeah. Hey, Clint, man, look, Trey calls it like it is because, boy, when, when Chad Morris was there, keep in mind, dude, when Chad Morris was there, they were so bad that they, they, they lost a kid to the, the transfer portal, right, uh, to Western Kentucky, who's from Arkansas, who was a four-star kid who was kind of like their quarterback of the future. Morris runs him off. So he goes to Western Kentucky and, and plays up there. Clayton White was actually on that Western Kentucky staff, I, I think. And so the last game, there's 30,000 people in Donald Reynolds' Razorback Stadium. Western Kentucky comes in, beats them 45 to 19 at home. At home, yeah. Right. And, that, and that guy, that kid, the kid, uh, his name escapes me. I think it's Ty, some Ty Charl Charlton, Ty Charleston, something like that. Uh, just, uh, you know, he lights them up. And that's a quarterback that Chad Morris ran off. So that, that would kind of, that would have been like Brandon McElwain coming in and lighting up Muschamp. <laughs> the game kind of, uh, or uh, Western Kentucky or a team you should never lose to. Uh, so that's the deal there. Um, Adam says, are y'all going to be at the first game? Uh, I am. I, I'm going to give you like a maybe on that because there, there, there's a certain scenario that would get me there. Mm. Um, and then Clint says, I get the feeling he didn't like Chad, Chad Morris. Well, who would? I, I don't know of a daggum uh, a Razorback fan that did like yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean it was a, it, he he got fired after two seasons two um and I forgot to ask and I'll ask I'll ask Trey next time about Justin Step I know he's very familiar with Justin's work and uh because of course Step stayed on under Pittman and, and all that after coming with Morris and um I know Trey's got a lot of good things to say about South Carolina receivers coach Justin Step this could be a tough game you know mm -hmm. I, I think uh you know this one is, is going to be a very big challenge uh, for South Carolina uh, to go out there and win. Just uh, after reading everything, looking at the personnel, talking to Trey, uh, all that good stuff. Carolina's going to have to be very, very disciplined on defense. Oh, yeah. Win this yeah. game. Uh, and even then, it's going to be tough. And uh, I think Carolina's offense can't go out there and just uh, piddle around. You know, you're going to have to go up and down. Because I, I, I think if they do have a weakness, and Trey touched on this. It's it's not that their defensive line isn't talented. It's that maybe they're a little bit unproven at this level, that kind of thing. Uh, South Carolina could end up getting – they're going to have a good game plan, right? Um, oh, yeah. You know, all this uh, – you know, the talk last year with, with Satterfield and, uh, you know, and then Clayton White and all that, those guys are going to have to have great game plans uh, for this one because you know, I'll tell you this, I'll bet you – I mean, there, there's no doubt in my mind Arkansas will have a great game plan with Kendall Browse and Barry Odom. Oh, yeah, you know they're going to come in ready. <laughs> yeah, right there. So that, that's the deal there. We got Keith Allsep coming up, bottom of the hour, going to get into the iHealth Consulting mailbag. There's two ways to get in the mailbag, inside the game packs at gmail.com or tweet to at the Big Spur Pod. If you've tweeted to us today, we may not get to you. I uh, had to um, move Trey 
uh, to this hour, and, and it was worth it. I think we'd all agree. Oh yeah. Um, and and all that. So so Bear, his name's Bear. He says, "Long time listener, first time emailer. Who is controlling the scheduling for Carolina? I've enjoyed the Power Five non-con matchups. I can even understand, but don't uh, agree. But under also understand the logic of playing in-state schools to keep the money in-state." But ECU last year on the road was a head-scratcher and almost a, a disaster. Uh, App State a couple of years ago at home was a disaster. And this year we could really lose a tune-up game, not a fired-up Georgia State team featuring our former interim head coach with a massive chip on his shoulder. I don't understand these out-of-state group of five matchups. No upside for Carolina and all the incentive of the world for the opponents to get hyped up and play with nothing thing to lose and knock us off what's your take love the show and you're really catching your stride keep up the awesome work uh bear look every sec school plays in the uh, group of five out-of-state programs um, you know you've got to schedule teams that you could beat uh i don't have a problem playing charlotte i don't and, and i'll tell you this um when you schedule football, and, and maybe this will clarify this for you, because a lot of people don't understand this. When um, the football schedules are made years in advance, sometimes yeah. 10 years. It's so right? far out. Yeah. So when, when South Carolina years. scheduled Georgia State, uh, Georgia State probably had like a three-year-old football program. <laughs> you're, you're not expecting Sean Elliott to go there. You're not expecting the, the transfer portal, the pandemic, whatnot. You don't know. Right. Looked like a tune-up. It looked like a tune-up. <laughs> and, and I'll tell you this: that East Carolina game last year. And now, look, I, I don't like playing group of five teams on the road. I, I just no. don't think I'll be honest to do that. I'll tell you this: half the SEC doesn't. Uh, <laughs> Arkansas is going to BYU this year. <laughs> you know, um, and of course, BYU is about to go in the Big Twelve or whatnot. But uh, Ole Miss is going to uh, the Tulane. Uh, Mississippi State goes to Memphis. I mean. Uh, Missouri goes to Toledo, dude. I mean, it, you know, the only one that doesn't is Kentucky, and we've talked about Kentucky. Yeah, right, yeah. <laughs> um, but I'll tell you this, that that East Carolina game was was pushed back like two or three times. It was originally scheduled when Spurrier was at Carolina and Skip Holtz was at East Carolina right after Spurrier got the job. And then Carolina wanted to play North Carolina, so they pushed it back. And they played in Charlotte against North Carolina State. They pushed it back. And so finally, it comes around, and that happens, uh, too. There's a road game scheduled at App State that's already been pushed back 10 years to, like, 2033 or something. Um, you know, and look, I, I understand, like, don't schedule App State or Coastal right now because they're good, but you got bigger problems if you're scheduled, if you're scared to play them. You know, App State yeah. and Coastal and all that. They're scary games, but uh, that's it. But as far as Georgia State goes, when they scheduled it, you know, nobody knew. I mean, who knew? I mean, who who would have predicted that? Nobody. Yeah, no, um, no. And the point is, it's uh, it's they're they're done years in advance, right? Uh, in football, basketball, different story. They're kind of done year to year. Baseball, same way. Um, so, just wanted to kind of throw that out to you, Bear. That uh, you know, you, you don't. You know, like the, that, that road if game. If you're looking to sell. That road game at East Carolina. Looking to sell that game. Uh, <laughs> scheduled by Eric Hyman. You know, a lot of people blamed Ray Tanner for it, but it was scheduled. Uh, and that's just kind of the way football schedules work. All right. Sorry, I'm late. Had to just finish that out, Keith. Oh, that was a hard network out. <laughs> yeah, hard network out. Hard, hard network out. Uh, so Keith Allsep's coming up after the break. Uh, here on Inside the Gamecocks, the show. We'll be back after these messages. 
If you're looking to sell or buy multifamily property right here in South Carolina, the Burgesson team of Remax at the Lake can help you get to closing fast and easy. Adam and Derek Burgesson both are very proud Gamecocks and are more than happy to assist you with any of your commercial real estate needs all across the state. You can email Adam at aburgesson at remax.net. That's A-B-E-R-G-E-S-O-N at remax.net to get your next deal underway. The Burgesson team, proud sponsors of Inside the Gamecocks. Attention golfers of all ages and skill sets. Former Gamecock golfer Meredith Taylor will be a full-time golf instructor in the Midlands of South Carolina very, very soon. You want to take advantage of this opportunity. If you're like me and you got to get a whole lot better at golf, or even if you're looking to refine your swing, Meredith is the person you need to go to. She's competing in her final USGA Mid-Amateur Tournament this summer before going full-time into teaching and coaching individuals. If you're in South Carolina, Meredith will be conducting in-person golf lessons at the Country Club of Lexington, half hour, hour, on course. She'll play 9 or 18 with you. If you're out of state, though, this is really exciting. She'll be conducting virtual lessons. You can send in your swing for her expert analysis. Also, in November, she'll launch an online course with video instruction for all ages and skill levels. Meredith has 20-plus years of knowledge, former SEC golfer, all of that. So contact her on Twitter, at Taylor at M-E-R-T-A-Y-L-O-R, or go to McKellarEnterprises.org. McKellar is spelled M-C-K-E-L-L-A-R, Enterprises.org. Her email is on the website, so you can connect with her for any other questions. Go get your golf game in order. Take advantage of Meredith Taylor and her services. Family vacations, a new car, a new boat, all cost money, but you don't necessarily have to make more to afford any of that if you can save cash that's flying out the window now. iHelp Consulting can help you finally get the kids to Disney World, upgrade the minivan, or drop that new boat in the water next summer. Let Daniel and iHelp Consulting consult with you. No fees, just savings. You pay them a percentage of those savings. Save on essential services, credit card fees, you name it. Let them find it. These folks are incredible. iHelpConsulting.com. How can I help you? Let's say you need catering. You need a food truck. You just need to get some delicious food to feed some people. Nana's Porch is the place for you. I've known Chris, the owner, for years now. Uh, They helped with the Big Spur Golf Tournament. Uh, catering it. It was delicious. I highly encourage you uh, to go visit nanasporch.com. That's nanasporch.com right now uh, to take a look at their services, their menu items, everything you may need for your event, the professionalism, the food, the taste. uh, It's unrivaled uh, in this space. 336-259-7550 is the phone number. Or again, Go to nanasports.com. Uh, we talk about them all the time. They uh, sponsor the chat line here on the podcast, but I uh, wanted to tell you about it right here, straight from JC. Tell them JC sent you, uh, and please support this Gamecock-owned and operated business. Also a proud sponsor of Inside the Gamecocks, the show. Hey, man, are you sick and tired of your business computer guy? Yes, he takes forever to call me back and doesn't always respond to the requests. Yeah, same here. I'm paying him good money. I constantly have issues, and I'm worried he's not backing up my network and securing it properly. Oh, I feel that, man. My head hurts, but I have a good lead on a good idea. I'm calling your boy Matthew Odom today from Heritage Digital. Heritage Digital is an IT firm that specializes in making sure your IT network runs like a dream. 
If you have one or 500 employees, it doesn't matter. They do it all for one monthly fee and have clients from South Carolina all the way to California. Yeah, I heard that monthly fees low too. So I don't know why I didn't even think of that. Uh, do you have 843-699-1001 as Matt's contact number? Yeah, man, I sure do that. Or you can go to heritagedigital.com. Man, I hear they do a no-cost assessment. Boy, this will help me. Yeah, I bet. <laughs> I'm getting all that and encouraging everyone else to do the same. Heritage Digital, 843-699-1001 or heritagedigital.com, a proud sponsor of Inside the Gamecocks, the show. I used to be president of the United States, and I love the show with Phil and JC. Welcome back inside the game guys the show and uh thanks to Trey Betty of hogsportstalk.com thanks to Sawyer Nicks of the Mental Edge this week congratulations to Slamma Jamma Mama for, I think that's his name Big Slamma Big Slamma Jamma for winning the hat the Carolina Rise hat and here with us with his Carolina Rise t-shirt on looking good our main man for the lot of the game guys podcast the cockfather Jay, I almost called him JC Herbert, man. I didn't get, I ain't got enough sleep. Keith Allsett, Keith Allsett, welcome in. <laughs> wow. Morning, Jay Keith. <laughs> oh, wow, what a moron. Uh, anyway, uh, Keith, how, how's it going today, man? It's going good. I mean, uh, God only uh, covered a few God only made a few perfect heads. He covered the rest with hair. And uh, if you had called me Phil, that would have been closer because my head does not take up near the amount of screen screenage as uh, JC Sherberts. Mm. <laughs> yeah, got the big head and the big. No, them guys with the big heads. This big, yes, big, big nice. Yeah. <laughs> so Keith, we uh, you know, we just been talking today on a number of topics, and uh, I'll throw this out here. I got some some uh, national championship odds. Gamecocks are one hundred fifty to one. So uh, if you bet ten bucks, I think you make fifteen hundred on that. So that's uh, not bad. And, but if that happens, I'm, my hair is going to be down to my back. So it's going to be crazy. Um, <laughs> So it's the week before game week, you know, everybody's kind of antsy and, and ready to go. Um, you, you know, it, it's been a good couple of weeks on the offensive line from what I hear on the inside. Uh, it's been a lot more crisp on offense from what I hear on the inside. Uh, so I'm going to ask you about about the offense because that, that's the first thing people ask about or are wondering about this season. You know, your take right here a week before uh, game week, uh, on the Carolina offense for 2022? I mean, J.C., there are a lot more knowns this year about South Carolina's offense than unknowns. You got seven offensive linemen with 127 starts between them. Uh, you've got a very talented running back room. You know who your quarterback is going to be. You know who your tight ends are going to be. You know, you got multiple wide receivers now that can make plays. And so to me, the great unknowns is one, 
What is the Kareem Joyner's role going to be in this offense? Because you keep hearing, well, he's probably a wide, a wide back like Jaheim Bell, but he's not really Jaheim Bell. And so I, I'm really curious about that. And then, you know, the two elephants in the room are the only two guys that didn't get a contract extension. That's Marcus Siderfield and Greg Adkins. How can Marcus Siderfield call it? And how does the offensive line perform with Spencer Rattler and a plethora of weapons that tied in running back and wide receiver? To me, those are the, the questions, but there's a lot of knowns and a lot of positives about this offense with really an elite quarterback. JC, you know this better than anybody. I mean, generally, I mean, unless it's Stetson Bennett and Alabama's you know, best two wide receivers are out. Generally, the, when most things are close or equal, the team with the better quarterback wins. And South Carolina is going to have the better quarterback maybe in every single game. Spencer Rattler. Yes, that's uh, that's true. Maybe in, in every single game if you look at it. with, Of course, we just talked to, to Trey Biddy, K.J. Jefferson, lots of uh, excitement out there uh, for about him at Arkansas this year. But – if Spencer Rattler plays up to his potential, you know, I I I, I agree. I, I don't think there are many people with an arm like Spencer's got uh, and all that good stuff. I, I don't know what to think about the play calling. Uh, I, I, I'm probably just going to – or the offense, the, the scheme in general. I'm probably just going to, like, stop listening to Marcus Satterfield's press conferences because – uh, you know, I personally kind of get a little bit nervous about some of the things, but I think we also know enough from hearing him last year that a lot of times, you know, he, he just says things. <laughs> it's just like, you know, it's not really, <laughs> you know, take it with a grain of salt. Um, I have heard Keith uh, from, from contacts, and uh, and this is encouraging, that uh, during the last scrimmage, the offensive line really came into its own. There was a uh, – and then a report from, uh, I think, Hale or, or Whittle on the Big Spur that Jovan Gwynn uh, had an outstanding scrimmage uh, the other day. And, and from what I was told from people there, you know, they – red zone, things like that, uh, they didn't get pushed back. And, you know, it kind of looked like a different line. Your, your take on that. Well, I mean – JC, I mean, we've heard it on Javon Gwynn since he arrived. I mean, he was probably going to play as a true freshman and uh, has the foot or leg injury that was a pre-existing injury from high school. I think he started 34 consecutive games uh, on the offensive line. And, I mean, I, th I think uh, his high school coach once said that uh, – if he had to walk into a building full of people and you had to fight your way out and he could pick one guy, he'd pick Javon Gwynn. So I'm not really surprised about that. But this is a veteran offensive line. and They should be uh, performing well. And, you know, with Rattler's quick release, you know, as long as he's not holding it too long and you're in the shotgun – you ought to have good things. I mean, so here's one question, JC. So if Dylan Wanham wins the right tackle job, what do you do with Tyshawn Wanamaker? Because I think he's one of the best five offensive linemen. I mean, 11 days away from the first game, do they start tinkering with that? I mean, 
I mean, to me, probably not. I mean, we know in the spring it was talked about potentially moving Gwen or Vershawn Lee to center. It and never happened that, yeah. there, but Warnham was out, and so they just rolled with the five that played the bowl game, and and so that's a, another, you know, an intriguing tidbit to follow as we go along is, you know, what happens to Tyshawn Wanamaker. Look, man, I think uh, if they if they start getting blown up on the inside again, you, you have to make that move at center. And, and I understand Eric Douglas um, is a veteran and nobody's pulling harder for his success than me. But, you know, if it's too difficult for a backup center uh, to make the calls, then your offense is too complicated. Uh, you know, I mean, I, I'm, a, I'm a firm believer that you don't sacrifice girth and strength and talent on the inside uh, just for guys that quote unquote know the plays. I mean, that's you got to know the plays now. Don't get me wrong, um, but uh, that 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 you know, I, I was I was actually expecting Gwen to make that move to center, and it just never happened. Like you said, because Warnham was out, but I do hear Warnham's having a great preseason. It looks like the most NFL-ready guy on the offensive line. So I think that's a, that's a positive thing there. But it, it's a question mark until it isn't. Uh, you know, Keith, I was kind of encouraged uh, to see Marshawn Lloyd back. Christian Bill Smith looks like he may be out for a while. Uh, you're never going to get out of the preseason totally injury-free, but knock on wood, I think the Gamecocks have been in pretty good shape so far during fall camp. Yeah, I mean, it's not like you look around at, you know, Texas or – Georgia or Clemson and guys are dropping, you know, in the first scrimmage even out for the year. Texas lost uh, one of their starting offensive linemen and Isaiah uh, Nayer, the big transfer portal wide receiver that South Carolina tried to get involved with from Wyoming, a native of Texas. You know, so far, knock on wood, like you said, uh, you know, South Carolina's avoided the major injuries and so jc i've said this on the on the podcast yesterday i really won't be surprised if uh agent zero jaheem bell doesn't jog out there behind spencer rattler and get the first carry of the season especially with christian Beal smith out I mean, you already hear the whispers right that jaheem bell is going to carry the football a lot and with Bill Smith out, you know, maybe that's something you want to show Arkansas. I mean, to me, with Spencer Rattler and everything you got, I want to show them as much as possible. Hell, I even want to show them to Gary and Joyner at quarterback. So, you know, Barry Odom has more to get ready for in game two. Oh, oh by the way, Keith, just, just – uh... Do you consider anyone that takes the snap a quarterback, and would you evaluate their quarterback play as such? Uh, no, I do not consider anyone that takes a snap a quarterback. But uh, as a high school official, 
the person that takes the snap is considered. <laughs> that's true. That's true. But you know, like like Nick Saban wasn't uh, evaluating Mark Ingram in 09 after that game when he played Wildcat, right? You know, I mean we're not the punter Kai Kroger is not a quarterback, though he did throw a pass, you know, that kind of thing. We're we're trying to solve a debate with this knucklehead. Uh that uh Yeah, Mark Ingram was not a quarterback, but I mean, the evaluation was the fact that South Carolina could not stop Mark Ingram in the Wildcat, no matter what they did. Shit, we had old Pharaoh throw, throwing the pass. Yeah. Pharaoh. Yeah, mm-hmm. But uh, anyway, glad you could uh, help us solve that real quick. Um, well, Keith, um, you know, ahead. we've addressed some of the offensive uh, concerns, you know, when we were talking there, but what do you see on the defense is something that we need to be concerned with? Or what are you looking at going into the season is like, eh? <laughs> well, I mean, Jordan Birch has not been healthy in fall camp. I don't think there's really any question marks at defensive tackle, but you know, what is Jordan Birch's health going to be like going in the first game? How do they feel good about the, the young guys behind them like Gilbert Edmond? And then, uh, yeah, I'm not even going to mention safety, but it, for me, it's got to be improved linebacker play. If South Carolina in week two and week three, you've got Arkansas and Georgia, which will be two of the top rushing offenses in the conference. You've got to have better linebacker play. And those guys have got, when you're in a four man front, the front is designed to spill uh, the play to the running backs or I'm sorry, the linebackers. And, you know, Blessed Imani Staley's heart, but like we said last week, he'd come in third in a race with a pregnant lady. So <laughs> I did I did hear uh interesting point uh that was made to me the other day. And I uh, this may be something I haven't said or written, but it was pretty good contact. Uh, indicated that in his opinion, it's gonna be Mohammed Kaba and Brad Johnson starting. Uh, now, Sherrod Green was banged up, I think, the first scrimmage, and this was kind of between the first and second. Uh, but I thought that was interesting. The point being, though, is that for some of the folks out there that have been waiting for Muhammad Kaba to sort of uh, come on, uh, he's he's he has arrived, to say the least, I think, in the preseason. Uh, the, the term I heard was animal. He's an animal. Uh, and I, I think Keith, you know, at linebacker, uh, I love to have guys that are described as animals, right? <laughs> He's an animal, you know? Uh, and so th- I think that's a positive thing uh, there. Um, so recruiting, uh, actually one more thing about the game. There was some debate on, on, on the website today and with our users uh, about the line being two touchdowns. You know, to me, Keith, playing Georgia State this year with all those returning starters, a uh, lot of momentum there. They beat Coastal at the end of last year. They got a lot of players coming back. To me, playing Georgia State this year is probably like playing a, one of those the better East Carolina teams or an App State or you know somebody Coastal when they're good. Somebody good. I you know I, I, don't, I don't think fourteen is that bad of a line. What what do you think? I mean, I don't think it's a bad line at all, uh, considering you know the last. 
two years or two out of three years, Georgia State beat Tennessee at Nayland Stadium. And then I know last year uh, they led Auburn for about 57 minutes in that game. Um, so, you know, they were a top 10 rushing offense. We've seen in the past when South Carolina's played teams that were down a level and they could not stop the run like Appalachian State, like uh, the Citadel in 2015. You know, they just bleed the clock out on you. And yeah. if you look four touchdowns, you know, they limit your possessions. And so I think the line – I think the line is fine. There's nothing wrong with it. I mean, look, if South Carolina wins uh, 49 to 14, I don't think anybody's going to be complaining about giving Georgia State plus 13 or 14. Right? Um, yeah. We'll say uh, one thing. Uh, the latest I heard on linebackers was Mo Cobble was definitely starting and Johnson and Sherrod Green were now competing for that other spot. Yeah, that's kind of the feeling I got about it. And I, I heard Johnson was slightly ahead just because of, uh, you know, maybe Sherrod's working his way back. I, I think best case is a Sherrod Green pumped up and ready to go and fast. Uh, and then Mo, and then you bring in Brad Johnson and Debo Williams maybe on uh, certain passing downs in the in pass rush situations. I think Debo can get after it. And I think he's going to play a lot this year. Then don't forget about Stone Blanton, folks. Uh, get it till about the Charlotte game, and I, you know we'll see sort of how everything goes there. Because I think Stone's going to have something to say about things before he uh, before the season is all uh, said and done. Okay, recruiting Keith. Um, you know you've been following it for a long time, just like I have. I keep getting asked questions. On paper, is this the best D line class they've had? Uh, on pay, you know, assuming they get Desmond U coming up uh, here in six days, um, I don't. You know, you throw Elijah Davis in there on top of Desmond. Uh, you know, maybe I'm biting, but but on paper, I don't know. I I can't remember uh, really this many highly regarded defensive linemen. I mean, I think they've signed good D line classes, obviously with with good players, uh, but but. You know, on paper like this, I, I don't, I don't remember. What, what, what's your take, kind of on defensive line recruiting in, in its current state, and uh, is it his? Is does it track to be historically good? Well, I mean, we're not there yet. I mean, uh, you know, we are six days away from uh, Desmond Yumiazulu uh, from Upper Marlboro, Maryland. You know, six six two forty. You know, Elijah Davis probably going to be the number one or two JUCO defensive tackle in the country. You, you've got three, you know, top 150, top 200 guys that are four-star guys. I mean, here's what I would say is if South Carolina lands Desmond Yumiazulu and they get Elijah Davis, mm -hmm. I don't think there's been a – in the same recruiting class, a better group of offensive and defensive linemen that's ever been signed at South Carolina. And that's certainly in the rankings era. I, I think it'll be unmatched. 
Yeah, that, that offensive line class is something else, I, I think. I'm really high on those guys. And then, you know, what What else is exciting, Keith? Uh, 2024, the, and I think we all knew Josiah Thompson and Cam Pringle were good. Uh, but but I, I, I keep hearing here, – here's the exact quote. Cam Pringle is elite. I can't see him not being a top 15 overall player in the country. And then I was told, you know who may be better than him? Josiah Thompson. <laughs> you know, and I just have to laugh. I laugh like that maniacally because in this state, it's just so rare that you get two guys like that in the same class, Keith. Well, and you got uh, – is it – uh, Blake Franks is uh, Franks at Greenville High too. Franks at Greenville High, who Alabama, Clemson, South Carolina, a lot of people have offered. Who's a a big, you know, six five, three hundred and ten pound guy. I mean, I think you know if South Carolina is able to keep those guys in state, and I think they are trending with Pringle, and I think. It would uh, take something really crazy happening for Josiah Thompson, who grew up in a Gamecock family and has, you know, there are certainly a lot of ties in Dillon to South Carolina. I, I just think it would be a huge upset if he's not a Gamecock. I mean, you get both of those guys. I can't remember. I mean, I guess South Carolina did get Brandon Shell and Corey Robinson in the same class, but Corey Robinson was an unknown from uh two-star guy from yeah. uh from uh, and really honestly so I saw him at Trombow that year, Keith, and I thought he deserved to be a two-star guy. <laughs> he just he, he was not that good. Uh credit Sean Elliott and Brad Long with getting him in. The dude ended up being a fifth round draft pick and starting for three years. You know, um, the, the the thing uh with him was he had sleep apnea. Yeah, it was undiagnosed, and you know he was floundering around, was almost out of the program. Lawing had at one point, Elliot was through with him. Lawing took him, and uh, he asked him, "Are you not able to sleep at night? You look like you're half asleep." And they sent him to a doctor, and, and he was diagnosed. He got the CPAP machine. And he turned into an absolute great offensive tackle. Yeah. I mean, he had 6'8", 330 and all that. Well, Keith, appreciate you joining us today. We'll talk to you next week. And uh, certainly looking forward to being on the town hall uh, with your patrons next Wednesday. Uh, and uh, looking forward to uh, starting the season, getting predictions in and uh, getting your take on the games and all that. We hope uh, – Hope to see you back here soon. Think about it, JC. There, I just looked at the schedule for December. There is not a single Saturday until next year that there will not be college football. Not a single Saturday in 2023. So, Town Hall's Tuesday. Can't wait for that. Oh, Tuesday. My bad. Sorry. Tuesday. Can't wait for that. Uh, yeah, definitely. But, uh, should be a lot to talk about. And, uh, you know, shoot, maybe I'll just, you know, put on a stupid pair of sunglasses or something. <laughs> <laughs> maybe you will, Keith. Maybe you will. All right, bud. Hey, we appreciate you joining us today. Thanks, Keith Allset from Locked on the Gamecocks podcast. 
joins us every week. We move him around. Don't forget tomorrow, Chris Phillips, 1130. I'm sorry, yep. yeah, 1130. Uh, Jamie Bradford, 1230. So that's a, I'll, call, I'll call it a wonderful Wednesday. Wonderful Wednesday. Wonderful Wednesday. Hashtag wonderful Wednesday. Oh, my goodness. Oh, wow. Uh, looking forward to that. Um uh, Craig says something about what's holding Debo Williams back. Nothing. He was a mm-hmm. true freshman last year, and he probably will play more this year. And you know, hell, he blocked two kicks his punts his first game. And the good um, thing is quality in front of him. <laughs> if you want to know, if you want to know, like why Damani Staley started in front of him last year, is it? Is it, I've said this before. At linebacker, if you don't know what you're doing, you take what's called false steps. You get out of your gap, and then all of a sudden, the other band's playing. It's much more about lateral movement and, and filling your gaps close to the line of scrimmage than it is about speed. Unfortunately, if you're like Staley and you miss it, you miss your initial read or whatever, and they go by you, you're probably not catching them. <laughs> you know? and, and so, and so, but that's why you have to start maybe the guy that's not as fast at linebacker if he knows where he's going. Gap wise, because you can't get you, you a muschampism was got bounced out of a gap. Well, that's a thing. That's a thing, actually. Get bounced out of a gap. So uh, that's pretty cool. Uh, Clint says Keith can do an hour easily. I agree. We'll get Keith on more. Uh, of course, he's been on every week, hasn't he? Yeah, twice for our first yeah. full, two full weeks. Really yeah, good. Yeah. Silence the other band. <laughs> so anyway, okay, so. Congratulations to Big Slamma Jamma. What was it? Slamma, Slamma, Big Slamma Jamma. Is that it? Big Slamma Jamma. Big Slamma Jamma, who won the hat today. Uh, hopefully, Stacey Gibson uh, says, by the way, Nick Saban, eight year, 93.6 million. I saw that. Through 2030. <laughs> He's not poor. <laughs> you think Nick Saban makes it eight more years? I don't know. I don't know. Ah, I don't know. Anyway, we'll be back tomorrow with more fun here on the Inside the Gamecast podcast. Also, want to remind everybody uh, if you're streaming on YouTube, if you don't mind, just hit the subscribe button on YouTube. Uh, it doesn't cost anything, it'll send you notifications whenever we go live, all that good stuff. Uh, I noticed today I was looking at our analytics 55% of our streamers on YouTube are have hit the subscribe button, 45% of you have not. So oh. it's a fan that would really help us and do that. And please, please, please uh, patronize our sponsors here uh, on uh, Inside the Gamecocks, the show. We really appreciate it. Thanks so much for tuning in yet again, guys. For Phil Wallenax, this is J.C. Sherbert. This has been Inside the Gamecocks, the show, uh, Tuesday, August 23rd. And we'll holla at you tomorrow.